and and that's the one thing we we kind of forget is we're all products of our environment mm. we learn everything that makes us human between the age of zero and five i've heard that before right? mm. and, we, and we learn yeah, it I've pretty much from our parents and other influential people yeah we learn how to walk how to talk basic problem solving skills we learn how, how to, to treat share others. our toys mm -hmm. we learned honesty we learned all kinds of things we also learned how to make decisions the process by which you decide what to do or what to think mm -hmm. we learned that during that time so what do you think uh, anxiety is, right? What do you think? What do you think stress comes from? It comes from a, 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 a misaligned process of how you make decisions, because you're responding to external stimuli that comes in through our environment, through our five senses, mm -hmm. to our subconscious mind, and your preconscious, your prefrontal cortex, the conscious mind, then makes decisions about what to do about that. Right? You got two people, same age, same sex, whatever, almost the same upbringing, right? But one uh, gets stressed out with certain stimuli and the other doesn't. Why? It's because they had a different process of making mm, decisions. Okay. So, so do you think that's you so you're saying in that first five years of that child's life, they were given or not given the skills to be able to cope this, with the stress. Exactly. The it's staging of it. Product in that environment. It's the process of decision making. Mm. You see something, feel something, hear something, anything coming in through your five senses. When it gets to your prefrontal cortex, the decision making center of the brain, how you decide what to do or what to think next defines what you think or what you do next. Mm. It's a process. And everybody has a routine that they learned when they were zero to five years old. And so are you stuck? Say you have, say you don't have the best first five years of your life. Right. After that, what is, is there hope for you to unwire some of that shit? There is. Okay. Okay. But it's like, uh, it's like a guy who grew up and I don't have the best posture never did, but I'm still trying to work on it. A guy who grew up with a muscle imbalance and they have poor posture. And so their gait, their walking is, is, is off, right? They got their hips forward, anterior pelvic tilt. They got the shoulder slumped forward and their knees kind of bend funny like shaggy when they walk, mm -hmm. right? That's something they learn when they learn how to walk. Now, as an adult, 30, 40 years old or whatever, trying to relearn mm -hmm. how to have good posture, that's pretty hard to do. It's the exact same process of relearning that happens when you relearn how to make better decisions. Damn. So it's pretty darn hard to do, but it's not impossible. Not impossible. Uh, yeah. So I just rolled right into this uh, without any intro because that was a great conversation. So right. I want to hit that button a little bit before we get too far into this. Let's introduce ourselves. I am Ron Jones, a content creator, but my actual skill or my trade is personal training. Personal training. I've been doing that since 2006 after I graduated from but also State University. Big Ron. Big Ron Jones. Big Ron, Ron Jones. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm Dr. Chris Mason. I'm a, uh, I was born a board certified emergency physician, uh, turned uh, certified lifestyle physician, anti-aging uh, physician, aesthetic medicine, and IV nutrition. Nice. Well, welcome, fellas. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. you guys being on the show. Appreciate being here. Thank you. Um, yeah, we were just, we were kind of rolling before we, you know, we started filming, so I was like, hey, let's, I got to get this thing on right now and catch right. this combo. Mm -hmm. um, me and you, Big Ron, we met, uh, we met on the, uh, was it, uh, we, oh, that's right, we met at Brick House. Exactly, right there in Atlanta. I met, uh, I met Big Ron at Brick House Strength and Conditioning. 
one day I was like in between sessions training, I saw this big mofo in there. I was like, who's this big fool? Let me talk to this guy. And we started talking, and then we talked for like an hour and a half. Easily. Hour and a half. And I was like, okay, I like this guy. <laughs> and then we've kind of connected from here and there, so I'm glad I got you on the show. Man. Absolutely, man. It's funny because we had to actually think about when we actually met, and it wasn't that long ago. But that goes to show that relationships are all on different timelines. You can know someone for five years and not know them at all. Right. Or you can know someone like me and Dan for inside of one year, but for like it's been five years. Um, because you just happen to cross certain bridges together or have certain understandings. Not because you fall and step with one another, but your understanding of the larger picture is there. Then you have a loop feed because I'm feeding off of what your experiences are and then vice versa. So it's a healthy uh Coexisting relationship, you know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting nonetheless. That's why I'm so happy to have my friend Doc here as well. Yeah. Because we all, I think, collaborate on the same, um, or, or we all uh, function on the same wavelength, you know? I absolutely, do, no. absolutely. And, and Dan might not even be privy to this. You remember, because you're a client, mm -hmm. but one of the six fundamentals of living a long, healthy, happy life, uh, six core fundamentals, a pillar of lifestyle medicine is our relationships, mm. right? And you just mentioned that word. Absolutely. Right? So we are social creatures. Our mind, body, and spirit thrive off of healthy, positive relationships and social, strong social connections with other beings and creatures and things on this universe or in this universe. And you notice I mentioned things, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's like earthing, right? It's like, it's like your relationship with your house plants, right? It's all about energy. It's universal truth. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's simply transferred and transformed, mm -hmm. right? So we talk about people and energy, right? I mean, Dan noticed you right away, probably because your energy, yeah, right? You notice everywhere the, you go into a room and someone just walks in and all of a sudden everybody's just elevated. Yep. No good reason. They just all of a sudden are like up. They're sitting a little taller, stand a little more proud, right? Happier. And it's all about that energy. Right? And that, that's the fuel that fires the furnace that, that powers personal improvement. That's like, that, that's like, the, the, like a vibe, right? Yeah, yeah, Somebody yeah. has a vibe. Yeah. Right? Right. And that's <clears throat> people, and, and, and I'm sure we've all experienced this. There's certain people that they don't have a great vibe. You're like, no, I don't, I don't mess with that person. Mm -hmm. right. I don't know why I don't mess mm -hmm. with John, right. but like, I don't, I don't know. Something you about don't John. Fear. It's the yeah. subconscious right. mind that's telling you that. Yeah, it's something about John. And then there's, you know, Ron, Big Ron. I don't know what it is about Big Ron, but I like Big Ron. <laughs> I should like Big Ron, but I like Big Ron. I don't know what it is. Uh, Let me go talk to this guy. Right. Um, it's interesting you said that about relationships being one of the the six pillars of right. like foundational health. Right. I was listening to a TED talk and they were talking about, they were studying blue zones. Right. And in the study they pulled up and I don't know where they pulled this study, but they were talking about the top factors in the blue zones that kept people living that long. Yep. And I would have expected exercise and nutrition to be at the top. Nope. It was only like fourth on the list. I think it was like fourth or fifth, fifth on the list. Number one was close personal relationships. Yep. And number two was like, uh, relationships probably similar to what you were just talking about, right. uh, plants, things, going to the grocery store, mm -hmm. uh, how you talk to like the clerk, the people in your everyday life. Those were the number two, the one and two factors for people living a hundred plus years. Absolutely. Wow. Makes yep. a lot of sense. Yep. So, and, and, and it relates to nutrition as well, because in the blue zones, people don't eat like we do here. Right. 
a quick, you know, dash down the street. Oh, let me pop in here for a quick sandwich or whatever. Wolf it down, then on to the next thing. Eating there is a social event. Mm-hmm. It's a family event. Mm-hmm. It, a meal takes an hour or two. Yeah. Right? It's all about fellowship. It's all about stoking the fires that we just talked about in terms of uh, that furnace that, that fuels that energy, those relationships. That's really it's interesting because I think we oftentimes try and pull um, these concepts from other cultures to help us out here in America specifically. One of those is that Mediterranean um, diet. And it's not a diet in sense of food. It's an actual, like you were saying a second ago, it's a lifestyle. So we try and pick and choose out of it what they're doing to apply it to ourselves. Oh, it's high fats. So we'll buy more high healthy fats. Right. Omega-3, 6, and 9s is rich in their diet. A lot right. more nuts, uh, nuts and and less red meats, more pescatarian style eating. But it's not those, as you said a second ago, physical foods. It was the concept of so on how they go about having these meals. Exactly. So we can't just simply nitpick or, 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 or pick and choose what we want out of that design that helped right. them to live forever. We must adapt the whole kit and caboodle. Exactly. And relationships are the crux, as you said a second ago, yeah. of just that, you know, going for that evening stroll or that stroll after that meal. Exactly. It wasn't the actual activity of walking, it was who you're walking with right you know what i mean uh, so yep. if you're gonna really do it do it all the way exactly do it the right sense way of it yeah. yeah nothing is in a silo right there it goes it all works together so are those six principles is that like a foundation at your practice yes absolutely exercise okay nutrition okay supplements sleep mindfulness and stress and relationships here's the funny thing all six of those things have a direct effect on every cellular process in your brain and body. Now let that sink in. Yeah. Relationships, mm-hmm. a direct effect on every cellular process in my brain and body? Yep. All six. Here's the other thing that makes it even more complicated and fun. All six have a direct effect on all the others. Mm. So it's a very tangled web of influence, an ebb and flow, a tide like an like an ocean, mm-hmm. right, coming back and forth. And it's and it's really a lot of work, but also a lot of fun to make sure that all six are getting the attention they need, so they all help keep each other in balance. Balance, that's it. Man's age-old conundrum, trying to find balance. Wasn't the yin and yang symbol a symbol of balance? Yeah. The idea of trying to balance this side to that side. It's been an age-old conundrum since man was born, since yep. placed here. We've complicated this algorithm that we live within because there's so many additional factors added to our lives. We all know that as we age. Absolutely. We're all men over 30. Um, I'm 38. How old are you, Dan? I'm 34. Okay, so we're all men over 30. We definitely have a few complications in our life that we had, that we didn't have when we were 18. But nonetheless, as you age and get older, the more you have more what I call hats of responsibilities, right. which just means things you must consider. So things I considered when I was 18 were very simple. Student, you know, meeting girls and being healthy. But as time went forward, I had more complications or hats of responsibilities to wear. So now I must consider these when I make certain decisions. Even when it comes to political decisions, I have to consider so much more than simply those basic tenets. I have children now. Mm. So not just my life, but their life in the foreseeable future. So my life is no longer going to be when I expire. You know, let's just say I get a good 86 years out of this thing. Great. My consideration is theirs, which is actually not going to be 86 years. My consideration is their life and what they're going to produce. So my decisions now do actually concern things like global warming, you know what I mean? Or climate change, whatever the current, you know, consideration may be, or what do you call it these days, you know? Yeah. So 
Mm. Absolutely. And that's, you hit on another universal truth, Ron. Balance. Balance. Right? The whole universe exists in a state of balance. Nothing good happens at an extreme. Right. <laughs> you know? I have a, I, that, that, that's probably been something for me personally that I have been tussling with throughout my life is balance. Right. Because I'm, I've always been all the way one way or all the way the other way in particular whether it was football it was like football was like my golden ticket out of Uh my environment growing up and then it was like this like shiny thing for like to bring me into the future so it was like okay uh summer vacation uh no thank you right hanging out with my boys it's gotta be friday night or saturday night because monday through friday in the mornings i'm lifting right right? i'm training sorry Mm -hmm. mom and dad i ain't going to this picnic or this thing or we're not going on vacation because i got to train yeah because i got i got things i got to do and then you know when you get to the next level it's like okay uh we all the girls in my life that were coming, you know, relationships was like, okay, this is great. Um, this is awesome. But just to let you know, you're always going to kind of take second fiddle to this <laughs> exactly. other thing. I'm married to this. Other right. Thing. I'm married yeah. to yeah. this thing and I'm going to sacrifice my relation. Like you will be sacrificed, right. um, for the sake of this thing. Right. Um, and then the same shit just kind of continued when I transferred into the world of professional wrestling into the WWE. It was like, yeah, I ain't got time. People can't understand this. And maybe that's like some childhood trauma manifesting itself to allow me to like create like a defense mechanism mm-hmm. yep. to allow me to operate that way. But I remember over the since the pandemic, I've had a couple of series of events that have kind of happened between the pandemic. I was in an accident and these things kind of were like, all right, young man, you're going to need to sit still for a second and start dealing with some shit. The universe has a way of putting you back in balance. Yeah. Wow, yeah, for sure. The whole world got changed chin- <laughs> checked uh, at one time. Yep. And we all had become introspective for a moment with that, you know? So yep. that's super interesting that everything that you've done, like you said, you're always looking to find some type of, of balance because you have an awesome resume Right. By way of the things that you have successfully done, like you said a second ago, from college to to pros to the actual WWE, everything you've done has been to success. But as you look back now, looking over that, you're like, man, I wanted to have a few more things done along with this. So being um, an awesome physician would be great, but even better if I had kids and a wife to share it with or having an awesome physique would be awesome. But it'd be even better if I had friends to Mm -hmm. hang out with afterwards, you know, so. Trying to find that balance. And I think that's why I think we all come to the place in our life now where we're trying to teach others to not be so extreme. Yeah. You know, it's great to be able to focus your way all the way in. But even the late, great Kobe Bryant, if you looked at his life, he was an awesome entertainer by way of his heroics on the basketball court. But the reason he was using a helicopter to get around town, as I understood, was he was trying to make up for not being there for so long, being a girl dad. Yeah. So he was trying to make up time yeah. for not being there while he was off being the greatest, one of the greatest entertainers of all time when it comes to the NBA, you know? So trying to strike, strike that balance, even though it came for him after the age of 30 and after he had to retire from the NBA to do so. As a quick example, of course, all respect to, to him and his family. Exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think that's interesting that you bring up because I look at it now, and we we glorify that like that extreme, right? We, we talk in basketball; it's called being a killer. 
Mm. Right. You talk, we talk about Michael Jordan. We talk about Kobe. They were killers, killer right? Yeah. They had that killer instinct. They were out training everybody. Yep. They were working harder than everyone. They're more competitive than everyone. They were willing to fight their own teammates and alienate people that didn't fit and fall in line. Right. And I feel like I've fallen. I fell into that mind tra- like that mindset of right. being mm-hmm. like, yo, that is, that's it. That's mm-hmm. what I got to do. Right. And as I've gotten older and been able to start like not letting, you know, filter out the shit that's not my own thoughts, right? Like, oh, whose thought is that? That's not my thought. That's a thought that was given to Mm. me on what I thought I was supposed to be to be Mm -hmm. a pro athlete. I'm like, "Mm, uh, I don't know if I need to be such a dick. You know what I mean? I don't think I need to be such an asshole to my teammates. I think, I mean, there's a time and a place. Don't get me wrong. You got to like, I'm not afraid to be confrontational, but do I always need to be confrontational? Mm -hmm. Maybe this person, maybe this teammate who's like slacking or not holding up his end of the deal. Maybe this guy, maybe I need to put an arm around this guy. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Maybe I make, maybe I need to make this other guy feel like he's a part, like he's loved and cared for to make him want to play and perform and practice Mm -hmm. harder. And then maybe this guy, this guy's thick. Okay. I am going to need to motherfuck this guy. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like being able to decipher those, those different things. And it's not always that one thing. And, and I, I think a lot of young athletes get wrapped up into that and you lose the joy of whatever it is you're going Mm -hmm. after. And it's not just athletics. It could be, whether you're in tech, whether you're a coder, whether you're a writer, we have mm-hmm. this. Oh, an actor! I need to be, I need to be a broke, um, str- like starving artist. artist. Yeah. I'm like, no. I tell, I tell like these artists all the time. I'm like, no. Get a, get a job. Get a job. Have a girlfriend. Live life. If you're only ever performing roles or like trying to be like, how do you have life experience to pour into the roles you're that right. you're gonna have? Exactly. You're right. And you just, I from personal experience as great as the things I've done and I love and I do love them and I wouldn't go back and change shit. I wish I would have been a little more lax in my social life. So I could have had some deeper relationships. I got a question for you, Dan. So remember back, you know, to how you were right. And compare that to what you've just said, how you figured out on your own, basically. Well, maybe I got to be, this demeanor or this approach with this guy and I got to be different. I got to be kind of a chameleon and be this way to to work with and motivate and support this guy. And this one over here, uh, I got to be a little tough on that because I recognize this, that, and the other. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you felt time A versus time B in terms of just your overall energy. I felt like once you started recognizing that you had to be a chameleon yeah. in terms of be the conductor on the orchestra that was playing that symphony. I found that I had much more success communicating with people. Um, I There was a time where I was just like, I'm such a good communicator. Like, I don't understand why this person is not hearing what I'm saying, uh-huh. right? I don't understand why you're not hearing. I'm telling you these things. I'm such a great communicator. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, not every, I was a hammer and everything was a nail. And it's like, uh-huh. no, hey, dummy. Hey, dummy. <laughs> not everyone hears shit like that. Yeah. Right? Um, and really what it took was like, uh, I've found myself in like position on team, all the teams that I've been on, I've found myself in leadership positions. And so I remember in high school having a very rooted, like everybody needed to like, we, it was that, I don't know how to say it other Mm -hmm. than like being the hammer. And we did my senior year 
in high school we had a lot of talent on my team but we didn't go very far mm. and i look back and i was just like well i was one of the leaders on the team and like what what was happening here right and then you know i was fortunate enough to have um women come into my life to kind of sand some of those rough edges away and be like hey maybe don't talk like that right. maybe <laughs> hey like making me become more recognized aware of the maybe assertive or aggressiveness that comes out in the communication because mm, right. it's not necessarily what you're saying it's how you say it right and so it's like oh there's it's like communicating is like multi-dimensional it's more mm. than just what you're saying right and then like more introspection i need to be more aware of how i would say these things right. to people and then picking up on sensing people's energy as well mm -hmm. and so it's like hey uh okay i need to like kind of fix this and so a lot of it, it really is ego right self-awareness is the first thing recognizing who you are and where you're at like okay for me i was like overly aggressive overly assertive someone else they might be the opposite they might be really agreeable not assertive and they just are pushovers. They might be on the opposite end of the spectrum. Knowing your audience is right. the part you're talking about. Now. Well, no, knowing yourself first. Right. Knowing yourself knowing first. Your then knowing your audience. Okay, okay, this guy, as I've gotten more mature and experienced in life, I look at this, I'm like, okay, this person's really agreeable. And they're going to just agree with anything I tell them because they don't want to be confrontational. Right. Or I may come across as like very energetic and powerful to them. And they might be like, okay, whatever you want, man. Mm -hmm. Right. That's great if I'm just trying to get what I want and bulldoze people. But like if I want a, to a, influence, if them. I want to influence them and yeah. I want a genuine relationship, I want a genuine relationship with this person, mm -hmm. with this person, I need them to like, I need them to feel comfortable enough to actually voice their right. opinion. Mm -hmm. right. And so the difference, to answer your question, uh, the difference between the two is night and day. Right. You feel night like you had more success in the second half of that journey? Yeah, much more success in the second half of the journey. And I've been able to, I look back on some of my shortcomings in different endeavors and have been like, hey man, maybe... Maybe if I would have been a little bit more vulnerable and open and maybe not so guarded or hard here, more people would have taken a like an interest or liking into like me and maybe helped me more. Mm. Right. And it's not to say I've had I've had I would not have been where I've gone or where I'm at now if it wasn't for a ton of people that have come into my life. Mm. Right. Like I'm very fortunate. Um, but maybe I could have influenced more people. Right. Right. Maybe I could have had more success. And not just success personally, but success uh, communally. Maybe I could have built something bigger, faster, right? Like mm -hmm. more, like more than what it has. Um, but I, I look at where I'm at now, and I'm like, okay, I'm in a good spot, and I'm glad that I I had to go through all that because I'm such a hard headed, or was such a hard headed. Right. I'm, I may be still hard headed, but <laughs> and, and a little more malleable. And what you're talking about is mastering the pillar, the foundation of relationships. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, doing exactly what you did uh, over that journey. Yeah. Communication is a big part of that. Communication isn't just talking; it's listening. Um, and that's there the easiest way to understand someone is learning yourself. So as you understand how you're going to come across to others, now you're going to uh, work on listening to pick up on what's um, who this person is. So now I know this person is more of a um, more of a um, not so forward leaning in how they feel. So I have to actually extract from them how they feel. But it still took me a moment to understand that, to know, hey, I've got to hear from you how you feel. Then I can make the best decisions. When you want to become a leader, um, you've got to or I think people 
let's establish this then the way I think is uh, a leader. You don't just assume the leadership position. You're actually chosen to be a leader. Mm. And the people who you're leading are the ones who chose you and they yeah. will willingly follow you wherever you go. But you must first have a pulse of that of that audience. Or if you're in a wild, um, that pack, be it animals or us, we're also animals. As we opened up with earlier, we're social creatures. So they will willingly follow behind who they feel has their best interests at hand. But you must first listen to them to know that. You can't necessarily hear the hundreds behind you if you're in the very front. Right. Sometimes the leader leads from the mid or even from the rear because mm -hmm. he's got to have a pulse. It's a very stressful position to be in, in fact, because you have to keep the pulse on the multitude to know who needs the help the most, who is sick and infirmed, you know, who is falling short in this department to help that person out. And when you help the weakest amongst your population, trust me, everyone else will follow behind you because yeah. they know if they happen to be in that position, you got their back also. You've yep. shown them that you are and then they will follow. Yeah. You are now the official leader. You right. don't lead from the front always. Mm -hmm. exactly. I learned that. I think sports was a, a, an earlier showing of that to a degree because that's a team dynamic. But when I had kids, getting married first, but um, it really doubled down when I had kids because I realized now that this person is going to have to lean upon me for everything. Mm. So I learned that I had to listen because when they're first born, they don't talk. Literally. <laughs> You've got to be just that attuned to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And if you have kids, you know what different cries sound like or what they mean. Or when you have one child who responds one way and the other, I have two, a boy and a girl. The girl is very much like me, very much. But she's also very sensitive to things I say and do. So I know I can't bark at her. If I bark at her, it's like me throwing my hands over the head and swinging a sword mm -hmm. because she's sensitive to my tone. My son, man, if you don't yell at him, he don't care. Right. <laughs> if I don't bark at Ron 3, hey, man, he ain't listening. <laughs> Whatever. Right. But you got to know who you're talking to right. and then respond accordingly. Children, I think, are probably the biggest teacher for me on that, uh, on that front. Well, again, I mean, it, it brings up what we were talking about at the beginning, which is, which is that, that influence you have. You know, everybody asks, when I talk about stuff like that, they ask, you know, they, they describe the differences between their first board and their second board and then third board and fourth board you know, four kids right, and more. But what I ask them is plain and simple and it, and it, and it always stimulates some reflection. Were you the same parent on your second child? Mm -hmm. Right. So, so that's why they're different because we're different parents. Mm -hmm. our, our approach is different. Our style is different. You know, many times parents with their firstborn child falls down you're like oh my god you run over you grab him you're like are you okay right by the time your second one's born you're like get up <laughs> <laughs> right so that shapes this is what i'm talking about it's proof yeah right we're all products of our environment and as parents even though even through those first five years we change as parents and that explains a lot of the difference between siblings mm. you know Dan, i can't help but ask it now because it's stuck in my head i'm trying to put it together injury you said it was an injury that sat you down during COVID or just before COVID yeah. and, you, and your paradigm not shifted necessarily, but you entertained so much more. What kind of injury did you suffer? I, uh, so pandemic hit, what was that like March or beginning of March? Uh -huh. Um, two weeks later, March 28th, um, I was in a car accident. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I was ejected through the front window of my car. Holy cow. At 60 miles an hour. Well, I'm glad you're here. 60 miles an hour? 60. 
I guess 60 makes more sense than six. Yeah, yeah 60 would send you out the windshield. <laughs> yeah. How did that yeah. fare from there? Um, yeah, that was that was a, a wild time. Um, one, you know, it was, I was just like a Saturday evening. Um, or it was late afternoon. The sun was coming down. It's like 7, 6.57 o'clock, oh, somewhere around time. that time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, accident had, I remember one second being like, this is a strange intersection. And then the next second, waking up on the concrete. <laughs> it was strange. Yeah. <laughs> I remember waking up on the concrete, three people standing over me, ambulance in the distance. Like everything was kind of real like groggy, yeah. right? And I stand up. And then like that memory slips through and then another memory slips back through and I'm on the stretcher getting put into the ambulance. And then from the ambulance to Orlando trauma was just like kind of, kind of remember, kind of a blur. Um, but the paramedics was like, sir, you were in an accident. Uh, you were ejected through the front window of your car and we think your neck is broken. <sighs> and so like I'm strapped head to toe, harness, collar, forehead, tied right. down you know right. the whole procedure um and as you can imagine that's just like because at this time i'm like riding on top of the world right like things in wrestling are are going really well i'm in the best shape of my life making the most money of my life up to that point um you know kind of living a rock star lifestyle downtown orlando like you know nice condo mm -hmm. rooftop pool you know living, right. i'm just living good right. you know right. living good um and my whole life, I've made a living off of my body. Yeah. Right. Like my physicality, my ability to use my body is like literally it's everything. Right. <laughs> Hearing that your neck is broken is like, I don't know, think what could be much worse. Yeah. So I immediately just start flexing every muscle in my body to mm -hmm. see if I like had control of things and whatnot because right. my neck was on fire. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything was flexing. Everything was moving. I was like, oh, okay, this might be a good sign. But I'm just like panicked. Right. Mm -hmm. Get to Orlando Trauma. They got a team waiting for me. Mm -hmm. um, they start poking, prodding, rub, running every test known to man. They uh, stuck me in a CAT scanner, scanned everything. About an hour later, a doctor comes in and he goes, dude, I don't know who you are or where you're from, but there's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. No, uh, no brain bleeding, no breaks, no tears, no fractures, no ruptures, and your pelvis is intact. I'm Superman. <laughs> wow. And I was just like, Phew. and your pelvis was intact. Pelvis was intact. I, okay, which is already almost insane to hear that um, because we all know how these car accidents happen and typical right. injuries that come from it. But tell everyone how tall you are, Dan. I'm six seven. So for a six seven man to clear a dashboard. And then get out the front windshield was pretty serious contorting your body did. Don't tell me you were to even small do that. Sports car. No, I was driving a I was driving a Hyundai Sonata. A Hyundai Sonata, six, seven years out the windshield. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. How did you fit out of that windshield? That's wow. my question. The only way possible. <laughs> what I don't know. I look at because I, I have all the pictures from the vehicle and I don't know I don't know what happened, how it happened. Um, but I made it out. Wow. There's because you look at it and there's it's just like this doesn't make sense. The, I've run, you know, it's th almost three years now. So I've run this scenario through my head a hundred, mm -hmm. hundred thousand times. And there's only one way where I'm sitting here right now talking yeah, to you. Two. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and as much as people want to contribute 
it to me and all the training I've done and how I've taken care of my body, which definitely have played a role. I've, I've been right. training since I was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. I've not stopped training since I was 11 years old. Right. I've been eating right. I've been a professional athlete since forever, right? I've been a pro athlete basically since I was 18 years mm -hmm. old. Uh, my body, I've conditioned it to take People. contact, to yeah. absorb energy, right. right? To deliver energy. I've right. trained it to do that. No doubt that has played an effect. Something larger than me was at work that day. So. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing! Absolutely, man, absolutely. So, 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 what was your training like? I mean, obviously, you, you're 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 bruised still. There's nothing broken, but now you're training again. Months after, weeks after, did the uh, style of training change? I mean, how did that change? So the next two weeks was so like I went home and I just like slept for two weeks. Yeah. Um. The all the muscles from in my back and in my neck were just like on fire, right. um, just absorbed all of the energy. Mm -hmm. So I just, I slept. And then when I woke up, I was, I just started, I was like, well, I got to start moving and doing shit. Mm -hmm. Right. So I kind of kept it. I didn't get too crazy. I would run a little bit. There was, um, a next to my place was a parking garage. I would run the stairs. I was living in Florida at the time. So mm -hmm. the weather was really nice. So okay. I would just go outside and, I would run uh, the stairs. I did a good bit of jump rope, and then I was doing a ton of yoga. I was dating a yoga instructor at the time, okay. Oh. And so we were able to just do private yoga classes, her <laughs> and I, and uh, that really was helpful. And for a while, I actually kind of it was the first time in my life that I went away from weights for a little bit, okay. Um, and I think I was just burnt out a little bit too. I mean, at that point, I had, like I said, I've been training since I was eleven. But in particularly for 10 years from basically 22, 23, when I went, when I graduated college and made my run for the NFL okay. from that point to March 28th, I literally was just pedal to the metal, mm -hmm. whether it was foot training for football, right. all out, then transitioning from football to pro wrestling. And I did a little physique competition in between those two as well. Mm -hmm. Um, just for shits and gigs. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, let me, because I, I love bodybuilding. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not a, I'm technically not a bodybuilder, even though I build my body. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? But like, not, a, I'm not a professional bodybuilder. Yeah. But I love bodybuilding. Always love bodybuilding. And I was like, they say contest prep is the most difficult thing there is mm. to do. And I was like, well, let's see how hard this thing is. Right? <laughs> um, so I gave that a go. And then, which was great because it gave me a ton of nutritional knowledge that I didn't necessarily have before okay. to help me stay shredded while wrestling. Okay. Right? So, cause then I had to mix aesthetics with professional or with performance. Yeah. Uh -huh. And that is really, that is like that, that would really was my life for 10 years. Yeah. Um, figuring the balance of that out. And it was just like right. a ton of fun being able to experiment on yeah. myself and right. see what worked and what didn't. So then, you know, once you're in the WWE, it's just like, it's you and like a hundred, 150 other extremely talented people all striving to get a slot on that television show. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're around each other all the time, 365, and you're just always pushing each other to be the best. And so it's just like, well, if we're going to be in here competing, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to outcompete everybody yeah, because it's just my nature. Right. So yeah. it's just like a lot. And so the accident kind of gave me this moment to be like, Hey, slow your ass down. Yeah. Right. I was like, okay, 
maybe I don't need to, to squat. All right. I've been squatting twice a week, every week for the past, you know, X amount of time. Yeah. Maybe we don't need to put a bar on our back for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. we don't need a deadlift. Right. Maybe we don't need a shoulder. Break. Maybe we don't need a box squat. Mm-hmm. Oh, then I was like, okay, let's, let's do some of these other things. Right. Um, and so yoga, to answer your question, yoga became a big thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And a lot of body weight movements, just kind of getting back to the basements. And I actually started running, which I never, long distance running. I did quite a bit of sprinting, but mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of long distance running or yeah. medium distance running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know us big guys. Right? Yeah, exactly. Us big guys. You know long distance I mean? was a little different. Listen, if I don't get <laughs> you. Mile or two. Yeah, I'm old too. Uh, hey, mile. <laughs> if, I don't, if I can't catch you, if I can't catch you within a 20 yard radius, I'm like, you got it. You <laughs> got it. Exactly. You got it. Man. That's how I live my life. My life, my running is measured in yards. Um, it is not Steps. measured in miles. <laughs> but yeah. listen, you better, you better be quick in that first 20. I'm gonna get that. It's it's done. Dangerous. It's it. I'm dangerous (laughs) within 100 yards. I'm dangerous. Outside that, you might stand a chance. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. So your application, when you're talking to different clients who you do train with, um, really comes from you looking down line as to what they better have in place, also, which is one of our first conversations that we had together. And that I was learning from you, a guy who was a physical specimen by all human comparison. Um, a specimen telling me, hey, Ron, I've been doing this, that, and the third to help myself out. And I didn't want to necessarily internalize it because I know I should already be doing it. Like I told you before, I was trying to downsize myself, mm-hmm. me as a bodybuilder, um, my whole life wanting to be the biggest, yep. um, the most ripped, uh, the most balanced person out there. I'm judged by way of, um, as a bodybuilder, uh, size, symmetry, and proportion. And I've lived under that guise for a decade plus. But it comes a point whereby I have to learn not necessarily the performance side of things, but the preventative side of things. Yeah. So I learn right. how to keep myself safe to keep lifting. But how about keep lifing? So I'm not in position, as I would feel, to take on a misstep off of a curb and have to stretch my groin further than when it should yeah. be. You know, my quads look great, but trust me, it comes at the expense of me having really tight um, connective tissue and tendon in that same area. Yeah. So learning from you. Just that is I got to expand my fitness career um, to being truly fitness, not mm-hmm. just the visuals of aesthetics and performance in a gym, you know? Yeah. What? So what are you doing now um, to to kind of counteract that, to add those like performance, longevity? Yeah. So I'm keeping that movements. in place as I am now, which is always trying to pursue more muscle mass and uh, and less body fat. But I have to, like I told you guys earlier, understand the other hat of responsibility that I'm wearing. Um, and as a father, I have to extend my life. Yeah. So I have to make sure I'm doing things that keep my concern as an African-American male yeah. in place. And we all know cardiovascular issues can be a real thing. Mm-hmm. So me walk around with all this extra tissue, it looks great. Contractile tissue, contractile muscle, big biceps. Right. They look cool, but the body must function and it must still work to feel that. So my little old heart has to still work to keep all this um, this tissue going. So I've been not in such an aggressive pursuit of much larger, bigger muscles, um, and the size and proportion are there, but it's more so about me, I hate to say downsizing, but I'm gonna have to use the term downsizing, which means I'm not recklessly chasing with absorbent amounts yeah. of food, protein specifically, anabolic fuel to grow these muscles. I'm trying to preserve and keep the muscle that I have while keeping the fat levels at bay. Fat was never an issue. As a bodybuilder, we intentionally bring our bodies up and then down. I bring my body down to an 8%. If I'm getting to a stage, bring it down to a 6%, and then back to living life at a 10 or 12. So I guess I'm resuming more of a 
elitist physique versus the super elite ranks of bodybuilding. Does that make sense? Yeah. Again, just trying to consider the fact that I am a father who has children who need him here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Um, so it's been interesting because my content has shifted as well. What I'm talking to people about is being mindful of the fact that um, I want to be here longer. Yeah. Let me tell you how to be here longer as well. I'm not lying to you. I'm truthfully going to tell you my active measures and steps to go further. That's actually why I hooked up with Doc as well, yeah. is having someone who's going to have a constant pulse on what's going on with me. I'm also over the age of 35. Here goes the conversation. You ready? And I know hormones are actually in decline. Yeah. You know, and I must entertain that idea. I think men sometimes are so ego driven Mm. and even the field of medicine has been so male dominant that men don't want to accept the fact that there's things that are larger than us going on and we can't control it. Exactly. I would commonly say, oh, women have these hormones that go crazy. That's why she's acting that way. We call it PMS. Or when she gets over a certain age, we say, oh, she uh, may need a hysterectomy, you know, break down the word hysterectomy is removing the crazy, right? Literally hysterectomy, (laughs) right? So removing the hysteria from her. So we always talk about females and female hormones, man, ourselves, Consider ourselves now right. and our hormone levels. So looking into that, I realized, you know what? After having a few tests done, it was simple. Sent me to an actual um, lab, local lab. Got my blood work. He looked at it, looked at a few things. Ron, you're actually deficient in these certain areas. We should probably entertain the idea of optimizing these hormones. I'm telling you, bro, I'm not going to simply accept the fact that my hormone levels, testosterone levels are low. Right. And just accept all that comes with it. Go out to pasture. <laughs> no. Right. I'm keeping this hard on muscle. I'm keeping my fat at place and I'll do my active effort, right. strength training, cardio and eating proper. I'm not going to simply accept the fact that my hormones are disappearing. Right. Right. So the same way we know ladies are entertaining the idea of optimizing their hormones, brothers, men, yes. we got to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, so there's a word for it, Ron. It's called andropause. Right? andropause. We all know the women in their late 40s and early 50s go through something called menopause. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, men go through andropause. It's the same concept, same hormonal concept. Mm. And when so does that happen for men? 48 to 52. Okay. Mm. Right. Sometimes earlier. Okay. Depending on environmental factors. Mm-hmm. There goes that whole six pillars. Thing. Right. Those all have direct effect on our hormones from what we eat to how we eat it to sleep to everything else. So there's not to say that a guy in his 30s, uh, even late 20s, can't have a hormone imbalance. Mm-hmm. Same thing for a woman. But the thing about it is, the point to what you're making is, is that for millennia, like ever since the so-called dawn of man, oh, women, okay. humans, the average lifespan has been 48 to 52. So, so there's no surprise that menopause and andropause happen at when? 48, 52. Yeah. Protecting out of Earth, yeah. Right. So, so the, the, for millennia, the body has been designed, the human form has been designed to die and begin shutting down to die at that age. Mm. Only 50 to 70 years ago, our lifespan nearly doubled. So so compare that to millennia. Right. Our genes and evolution have not been able to even come close to keeping pace. So in other words, even though we're living into our 80s, 90s and beyond, our body, our genes, our, our hormones, everything is really designed to start shutting down still at 48 to 52. Mm. So, so my point is, is that there's no reason that we should not, like to your point, not make the second half of our life the best half. Mm. Look at all you guys have accomplished so far, mm-hmm. right? And, and me and everybody, by the time we're in our 
in our 30s, 40s, and 50s, there's a lot more life left to live. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason, like you said, to accept, to simply just yeah. roll over and accept the fact that, well, I guess it's just this way. Especially women, they have it tough because there's so much stacked against women in, in healthcare. Guys, all we got to do is get over our pride right. mm-hmm. and go see a doctor. Yeah. Hopefully we get a doctor who understands and believes and, and gets the science and is competent and confident in being able to treat things like this. But women have everything else stacked against them in addition to that. You know, women can usually get over themselves right, as a general rule, yeah. as opposed to guys. They go to the doctor, but they have a hard time being believed. Yeah. They have yeah. a hard time they have a hard time having their plight understood. You know what? Most women, they go to a doctor the first time around perimenopause and menopause. Guess what they're diagnosed with? Anxiety. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But it's really a hormone imbalance. Mm-hmm. The doctors don't even bother testing them. They give them an anxiety pill. They give them a sleeping pill, and they tell them to go home. This is this is very interesting because I've been talking with my girlfriend about this um, because this is right in line with what she studies about health equity, right? And and particularly with women, they run into. Not so be, many biases. not yeah biases not being believed most of the studies that have been done in medicine have been done for men have been mm-hmm. built for men mm-hmm. not for women mm-hmm. and right. so why i guess my question to you doc is why is that why why is there this bias um towards women that women are dealing with well so it's 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 a problem that's ingrained in our culture here in the in america for the most part number one number two the offshoot of that or the offspin of that has been that it's in influenced everything. Big pharma, big government, big business, big hospital, big insurance, right? Despite the fact that, that without women, there would be no life on this planet, right? right? right. right? Uh, despite that, they, they are influenced in this way so that, like you said, most studies are done for and on men, and, and most of the time, their problems are discounted, overshadowed, or explained away, mm. right? Without listening, understanding, and applying the, the science that we all know is true. You know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people think that women are made of estrogen and men are made of testosterone. Well, it's not true. It's just what makes men and women different in that way. We all have the same hormones, and they all... They all function the same way in both sexes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why in men, a lot of the talk on you know, social media or whatever somehow made estrogen out to be the enemy yeah. in men. It's not. Mm-mm. Men and women both need estrogen for good, strong bones, healthy teeth, nice skin, good eyesight, nice, healthy head of hair, and good, even-keeled mood, sex drive, and performance in the bedroom. Right? That's mm-hmm. estrogen. You know, right. And it's a balance between estrogen and testosterone. So for women, the balance is estrogen's up here and testosterone's down here, but they still have to exist in balance and they still have to have both. Exactly. For men, it's this. Yep. Right? So it's just a different balance, but we still both need the same. And so that's at, <clears throat> that example is at the crux of, of pretty much everything we're talking about on this particular point which is how the whole system, the sick care system we have, I call instead of a healthcare system, is stacked against women. And it's just about having a physician, a medical team, a trainer, a nutritionist, other people who listen and understand the science and understand women as, 
well as men right to to offer a balanced approach in their coaching and support what do you they do what is, so like what does that look like somebody comes to you so we hear big ron saying he came to you because he's he, he wants to make sure that his health stays peak yep later into life so he came he got blood work ran some panels and you observe them what does i if anybody comes up man woman comes off the street looks at you what is the first couple of things you need from them and you need to do to kind of figure out where they're at so what we do is we have them complete our online form and it gives all their medical and health history allergies medications health problems surgeries uh, birth history all that stuff gets filled out and then what we do is we order all the initial labs including a, a blood clot a blood count a metabolic panel a complete hormone panel which is everything from testosterone estrogen progesterone uh, and thyroid panel right we also measure insulin like growth factor one mm-hmm. Uh, that pertains to growth hormone. And we also measure lipid panel, cholesterol, metabolization, uh, all the important vitamins, B12, uh, vitamin D, all these things get ordered. Uh, And then what happens is, is we send them or they make an appointment at a lab that's close to their house. I use Quest, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, And they get their blood drawn. Well, then within a few days, I'm notified automatically that the results are in. And we set up an hour-long video consultation where I get to meet them, you know, over the over the video screen. And we talk all about their results, their blood work. We talk about what those results mean to them in terms of how they've been feeling. And we talk about their goals, what they want to accomplish. Mm. Then we go over what lifestyle medicine is all about, those six core fundamentals. We give tips and tricks and ideas and concepts along all six. After that, we talk about how specifically our practice, Old Mission Lifestyle Medicine, can help and how it fits into achieving their goals, along with what my recommendations are. You know, at that point, they decide whether or not they want to become members of the practice, and we move forward from there. Mm. Yeah. So you're actually, after you get, you know, the technical information from the blood work, right, and all the panels, you're actually getting to know your client Absolutely. Getting to know what their, their needs and wants and desires are and, and customizing a program to suit their lifestyle. Absolutely. Along all six of those fundamentals. Mm. <laughs> right. And the nice thing is I got guys like Big Ron Jones and Dan here to help give me ideas in terms of helping them, <laughs> helping them with uh, uh, exercise. And real, real application of it. Exactly. And it's yeah. funny because it all loops back to the original thing we talked about before, which was the relationship. Yeah. You've got to have the relationship. Yeah. You've got to have that free flow back and forth. And that's how you're going to grow um, or continue to live and flourish here on earth. And I say continue to flourish because as we said a second ago, uh, or as you, as you iterated, uh, if we were set to pretty much die off as a human population or as, as a person, I should say, in your you know, life expectancy earlier on was, you said, 48, 48, to 48 to 52. If your hormones are actually fading off at that point in time here, but you still got another 40 years or 30 years by average now to live, you're telling me that you don't mind living the other half of your life, which is almost just as long as the first half, right. without all that made you so happy right. and happy here on earth. I'm not trying to have kids at mm-hmm. 52. But I still want to have, you know, proper relations with my wife at night. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I still want to be out here. to get it all, you know bro. You know, you know what I mean? Still wanna, there's still no reason <laughs> to just ride off into the sunset. Yeah, right. just go to pasture. No, by no <laughs> means. I still want to actually be able to be to, to, to live my life and, and get up and, and, and have that vigor, that go. And many guys, I think, don't realize how that old thing is until they get it back. Yep. 
once you get it back, then you realize what that drive was. Yeah. Getting up in the morning time, ready to get on and take on the day. Yep. That's drive. Yep. That's that base. So like what happens is your baseline gets skewed. It's like the 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 frog, the boiling frog expression. Right. Right. You you throw a boiling you throw a frog into a pot of boiling water, he's, his ass hops right out. But if you put him in a lukewarm pot of water and slowly boil it, he'll boil. He'll just he'll sit there until he's boiled. Right. Absolutely. And that's the same thing that happens to people. Their health declines. They accept it, right? Because time. because uh, you know oh, I'm young and I I'm pliable. I'm able to eat like shit, not mm-hmm. sleep well, not exercise, and still look good and feel good. And slowly over time. Those things start diminishing. And next thing you know, you're 35 and you're looking up and you're like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and right. I see this a lot. And I'm sure you see this a mm-hmm. lot too, Ron, as a trainer, right? You see these people who are just like, uh, you know, I'm not feeling like I used to or I don't have it like I used to mm-hmm. and I want to get it back. And they they tell you, it's just like one day I looked up and I'm here. Right. And it's like, I don't know what to do. So I, I found somebody to help me figure this out. Right. Um, I can relate to that with like we were talking about in wrestling because of the rigors of wrestling. Mm You forget what the baseline of feeling good is like. <laughs> yeah, right. you know what I mean. You just like live in this perpetual state of pain, pain and right. soreness. And yeah. you're like, "How do you feel?" And you're like, "I feel good." And it's like, "Do you really feel good?" I herniated this. It's all relative. I'm in less pain than I've been in a long, long time. But I'm still in pain, and that's yeah. great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I will point this out as well. Though speaking about pain tolerances and issues we deal with, and having certain diagnoses, things will naturally happen, but. My biggest turn on when it came to the practice, you know, when I hooked up with them was the fact that I wasn't going to be put on a prescription protocol I was going to live on. Mm. I do not want to. I told everyone a while back that I was diagnosed with hypertension. It's been something that's just in my family, period. Right. My dad, uh, his brothers, they've actually passed. Not my father, but his brothers have passed from um, complications of hypertension. My mom's side of the family, same concept. I wasn't going to simply accept the fact that, oh, okay, now's that point in time. 38 years old, where I'll go on the high blood pressure medication and live on that. I wanted to know what I could do beyond what I was already doing to get me off of this. Now, prescription drugs, I believe, are awesome to help us out in the meantime. But it's almost like you should see it as a a time frame to tell Mm. you you should be clearing this up and then get off of this. So this hypertension pill that I'm on right now, it helps me out while I get myself in order. Right. And then I can get this prescription away. Absolutely. So getting a protocol from Doc that showed me you're not gonna live in this forever, Ron. Yeah. And you know, we're gonna get what you gotta get done. In the meantime, it's gonna help you out to bring your your, your levels back in place. Right. But we're gonna get you off of this ultimately right. here. You gotta have a game plan. Hell yeah. Prescription drugs aren't to be lived on. Absolutely. And I there's and I that. and I use this example all the time. Uh, and it's and it's a great example of of the universal truth of balance and healing mm-hmm. and how the body has a natural tendency. It's called homeostasis. Mm. Body has a natural tendency toward balance and health and wellness. But too many times, doctors and the conditioning of our whole system, it all gets in in the way, and we put up all these hurdles and obstacles to balance and homeostasis and health and wellness. But here's a perfect example of in nature, just of your own of your own body. So let's say you're 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 working around the house, you're uh, making dinner, you're you're chopping up an onion, and whoosh, you accidentally cut your your thumb right here. Mm-hmm. You lay it wide open, right? So what happens? Describe to me what what happens. It stands there, then it begins to bleed it profusely. Bleeds? Okay, so then what do you do? Checking the depth of it, I might need stitches. Okay, <laughs> and then what do you do? 
I have to go see a physician to get this stitched up. Okay, and then what happens? I, I hope it healed itself. Exactly. Maybe you got to wear a Band-Aid for a while, right? Mm -hmm. What about a month or two later? I should be off this Band-Aid by now. This Band-Aid's ugly. Band-Aid should be off there. Yeah. Maybe you have a little bit of a scar. <laughs> I like that. But over time, it's like it never happened. Right. See, that's the point. And it, and it, and it underlines what you're saying. And I like that. It underlines the philosophy of the practice, which is, which is medications are fine to be used as a Band-Aid. But all that while, your body, when you got cut, you and your body are doing the work needed to to support the growth of new tissue, the healing properties, mm -hmm. so it doesn't get infected. You're doing all the right things. It's work. Mm -hmm. Now, admittedly, if you did nothing, it'd probably either take a long time to heal or it would never heal right. Or go gangrenous and kill or, me. Exactly. <laughs> or get infected and, yeah. and, and cause big problems, big complications. Yeah. But you did the work to support your body's own health. You didn't take over for it. You nurtured it, right? You supported it. You guided it in what you were doing. And it healed. Eventually, stitches were gone. Band-Aid was gone. And you're like new. You're a yeah. new man. So that's the whole point. It's a, it's a perfect example for things like hypertension or don't onset diabetes. It's the same thing. You know, we give ourselves all those problems by how we live our life over a long period of time. You talk about your, you know, your parents and your family, right? First degree relatives who, who end up with high blood pressure, kidney disease, diabetes, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Well, so when we're born, we're born with the genes that put us at risk for that, right? But it's not a life sentence, mm -mm. right? Think of it this way. What you're born with in that case, is, a, is you're born with a light switch in the off position. How you live your life mm. turns it on or off. See, you can go off too, right? You can mm. On, off, on, off with the light switch. Right. How you live your life turns it on or off. And that's it. So we're really the masters of our own destiny when it comes to that. And the problem is our culture and the system are stacked against us with all that conditioning we talked about earlier. Hmm. That's, I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's, that's, that's you. So it's like, right. You can turn on genes or turn off genes exactly. based on your lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's like the actions, right. The, the way you think, right. The way you think about yourself, direct effect, direct effect yep. to your, like your cellular system, exactly. everything within yourself. Yep. How, what you eat, what you put in your body, everything. The people or who are around you, what mm -hmm. they think, turns sleep. Up, right. Sleep. Mm -hmm. Sleep's a big one. Well, I've been, I've been, I've personally been feeling sleep. I've normally always been on my sleep. Recently, I've been you know, over the past like two months. I've been getting up at four thirty, like, and so I've been adjusting to waking up at four thirty in the morning every day. Right. Um. And for waking up, it's not. I I could wake up whenever. Waking up's not the problem. It's getting to bed early enough right. to want to to be right. able to wake up at four thirty. And there was a couple days where I was like getting like four, three, four and three hours of sleep in a row, and I just was like brain dead. Mm -hmm. Right. I was just brain dead. Just right. Not mm -hmm. sharp missing things like mm -hmm. like joy 
joy was gone. Exactly. Yeah. Everything was great. Yeah, just blah. I, everything was a problem. Mm. Everything was stressing me. I fucking hated mm. everybody. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. oh, I didn't care who you were. I'm just like, oh, nah, man. Well, so here's the science behind that, right? So just give you one example. Question. When do you think your guys' bodies were actually built? In the gym? <laughs> no, at home. No, yeah, when you're when you're when While you're sleeping. You're sleeping. Yeah. So we put in all the work on our goals, whatever it is we want to achieve mm -hmm. while we're awake. But when they actually happen is while we're sleeping. Right. So the night to kind of get to your point, the night is divided in half. The first half of the night when you first go to sleep is designed to be for you to be your brain to be making files. You categorize all the information and you process everything that happened during the day or the days up until that point. The second half of the night, because the first half of the night you spend most your time, most of it in what we call stage four deep sleep. Mm. You are not dreaming much the first half of the night. Now the second half of the night is when you spend most of the time in REM sleep. That's when you're paralyzed, your body can't move and you're dreaming, right? Because if you weren't paralyzed and you're dreaming, You'd be in trouble. You'd be acting upon it, yeah. <laughs> but that's when you're actually making connections. You're connecting and categorizing all the files you put in the right place the first half of the night. Mm. So together, those two halves make the time when you come up with ideas. That's mm. when you learn. That's when your muscles grow. That's when your hair grows. That's when your nails grow. That's when you learn. That's when you, that's when you solve problems. Mm. That's when you're... That's when your joints get stronger and more flexible mm -hmm. is, is having both halves of that night. So when you wake up and you're just like, oh, man, I, I just don't have energy. I don't know what's I'm down. I'm this. I'm angry. I'm, I'm not myself. One or both halves of those nights of sleep were, were disrupted. Mm. Yeah. That's one thing that turned me definitely into trying to get myself right when it came to my um, – my weight, you know, weight by way of not fat. I mean, I'm a very lean guy, but 300 pounds is big for any human. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Bro, it's a, it's as a an of offensive human. lineman, uh, same thing as a bodybuilder. It's yeah. like, yo, we got to be heavy. It's a lot of human. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it started affecting me in the sense of my sleep. So I was having, I was having, uh, I was having interrupted sleep. I kept waking up frequently throughout the night, which as he was saying a second ago, that continual process of sleep needs to be just that continual, but I was interrupting it, be it me waking up violently because I was snoring, you know, or, or perhaps to stop breathing for a second as mm -hmm. sleep apnea yeah. would definitely be there as well. Or have to um, have sleep apnea. That was actually a part of it. And I actually ended up with a CPAP machine, which would help me to sleep better trying to get that sound sleep because we now know there's a direct correlation between, keep in mind, I already told you I have that hypertension issue. Right. There's a direct correlation between um, your sleep quality and your heart health issues directly. So I wasn't doing myself any good by not getting quality sleep. I'm laying down to get seven and a half hours, but I wasn't getting a quality seven and a half hours yeah. because of the other environmental factors, which myself was getting in the way of getting that continual sleep. So I'm not as productive as I would be typically when I get up. So, yeah, you get up extra early in the morning because you're part of the 5 a.m. crew. But what good is that 5 a.m. crew if you're not productive? Right. You get up yeah. and your brain's blah. You're not very uh, imaginative. Mm -hmm. I heard that um, some of the greatest thinkers of our time, or at least the ones who are leading these um, these, play these spaces, Elon Musk, feel about him has, as you may, or, or Bill Gates or whoever it may be here, Elon Musk, these guys are getting 
their sleep no matter what. Yeah. They're I heard going Jeff, to get that sleep. I heard Jeff Bezos talk about that particularly. He was like, I prioritize my sleep. Yeah. He's like, I make sure I get eight I hours of sleep. Every time. I don't know why poor people think not getting not sleeping gonna make you money, yeah. but it's not I hate that. I hate no that. Sleep the, ain't gonna make you no money. It's that hustle culture. It's yeah, that hustle right. culture. Hustle, yeah. Hustle porn. Like I'll sleep, I'll sleep when, when I'm, I'm dead. dead. Yeah, yeah. I'll no, sleep when I'm dead. Like you're gonna be dead sooner. <laughs> you're exactly. gonna be dead sooner and than bro, me. Not sleeping is not gonna help you out yeah. ultimately. Right. Got to get that quality sleep. It ties into everything. But again, as you said a second ago, it all interweaves exactly. into uh, into one another. But that definitely told me, Ron, quit playing games with this because I need to get that quality sleep right. again. And it just simply meant me trying to have a longer life. But not just long life in the sense of being propagated up here, just living longer. I want it to be flourishing. Yeah. I got a son who'll be playing basketball soon, middle school, high school. I got to show him who's the man still. <laughs> I got to dunk on him, man. If I can't dunk on my son in middle school, what, am I, what good am I? You know right. what I mean? I got to show him. That's I right. personally don't want to hire someone else to show my son how to do it. I want to do it. Yeah. So I'll keep myself preserved long enough to do it. LeBron right. James is 38 years old, still playing in the league, and he'll be dunking on his son soon also. <laughs> right. Exactly. I want to show my son what a 315 bench press looks like still. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I want to show him how to how to get big. You know what I mean? How to lift them weights. Myself. So I got to preserve right. my ability to do so. And I'm also most productive in my family, as I stand, being whole. Being whole, I'm most productive. And me leaving this earth early with a woman and two kids to take care of right. isn't fair. Right. It's selfish. So if me chasing my own personal ambition of being the biggest, strongest guy out here is going to cut me off short on time here with them, so if it's going to cut me short of fellowship time right. with my family, responsibility time with my family, then I'm being terribly irresponsible with my own health. Oh, selfish. How about that? I'm being selfish yeah. with myself by not buying more time here. How do you handle, so this was a question I thought about earlier when you were rolling. How have you handled that transition from being, wanting to be the biggest, right? And and I gotta, I gotta get bigger, I'm never big enough, right? I gotta be lean, build more muscle, to now switching to this, you know, it's okay if I'm not the biggest, mm -hmm. right? It's okay if I'm a little bit smaller than I could be. It's okay, like these things are no longer priorities because I, I I see a lot of people have a really hard time letting go because that becomes identity. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Your identity is I'm big the biggest, Ron. big yeah. Ron. Right, big yeah. Ron. I'm the strongest. I'm yeah. the biggest. How how have you been handling that? So I will be fair about this by being completely forthright. Um, by all averages, I'm gonna always be the biggest guy there. Right. You know, so I will, I will admit the fact that even if I don't push myself to my own limit, I'm going to still beat this guy over here by average. You know what I mean? Yeah. Average American man is like, what, 5'8", five, 5'9"? Five, and I'm 6'3". You know what I mean? By mm -hmm. way of population, I think I'm like part of three percentile population just by height alone. You know right. what I mean? So by muscle mass as well, carrying a good bit. So I will preface the fact that I do have the understanding that I'm still going to be a little more exceptional than the average man. But I will tell you this within myself, is understanding what body dysmorphia is. Mm. And you don't hear men talk about this very much, but body dysmorphia is what drives the bodybuilder to be great. Because we're on a stage, nearly naked, cross-comparing ourselves to other men who think they're the bee's knees. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And that settles within you, but it also makes you drive for a full year or two to build and stack and to create the biggest, best version of yourself to beat these guys to your left and to your right. So you must be your own worst critic, right. harshest critic to do so. And it does settle in with the degree of body dysmorphia within your own self. It doesn't work against me in that sense of me out here trying to hide myself from the world because I still know I'm still part of a very 
elitist population as a competitive bodybuilder. But accepting the fact within myself that, Ron, you actually are looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now, by way of standing next to the guy next to you who thinks he's the best, well, maybe I'm not the absolute best at this moment. But accepting the fact that, Ron, you still got to you know, pull together. You know yeah. what I mean? Now, that's because of my comparison to other men and that arena. But that's not always the best gauge, I believe, because I can also serve you short, you know, and still leave in a bad position. So understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing and it shifted. So not that I don't care about being the biggest, strongest guy out there, but I'm happy with the other areas in my life where I am the best. So I am the best dad that Ron and Lydia know. You know, I am coming home to a wife who's happy to see me. Even she's happy with my physical as well, the way I appear. But she's also happy to see me there. You know, so I guess of my hats of responsibilities, me really selling into the fact that I am the best in other areas that aren't just localized to my physicality in bodybuilding. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. But it took time to do that, you know, so right, that was the earlier you see that, I think the better off you will be. So I think I did catch it early enough. Shifting your mindset. Shifting mm-hmm. that, you know, shifting my paradigm. Yep. And some guys, some ladies will never do it. And some might do it too late. By then, the wife or husband is gone. By then, the kids are grown and gone. By then, their friends are gone. And they realize that they're by themselves with no memories Mm. because they focus on nothing but this one thing. And you're great in one statistical category, but you failed in all the others. Yep. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. You can be great in other areas besides your physical, I believe, you know? I think, I think it is imperative to be great in other like in other categories Mm -hmm. if you want to be like i I truly believe if we look back and through history what made men great was like they weren't just like i'm just a warrior or i'm just a king right think about just in history right king david king david wasn't just a warrior wasn't just the the ruler right a politician he would also go to the to the to the townsfolk right the he would go to champ. the town square mm-hmm. he would sing he would read poetry right like he, he was, was an actor right right <laughs> yeah he was a lover right he was he was all of these different things that his people needed right and all of like and you look back through greek history right greek men weren't just the strongest most most fit but it was could they write were they poets they were mm. extremely well-rounded right and I, I i have this thing that like i live by i always remind myself how you do anything is how you do everything right mm. yeah. and i that says it all i try to take that now a part of what we were talking about earlier dealing with like this the, the extreme impulses to be at the furthest end of the spectrum and whatever it is i'm going at right it's like no i don't want to just be Dan Matha, the football player, Dan Matha, the professional, Dan Matha, like the uh, the bodybuilder, except any of those, right? No, I want to be somebody who in all areas of my life, whether it was my, it's my profession, it's my social circle, it's in my romantic circles, right? I am as, as peak as I could be. Not better than you, not better than you, not better than anybody listening or watching this. My best right? How can I maximize that? And I I try to get all the people in my life, the people that I train, um, that are in my social circle. I try to kind of, that's, that's something that I try to spread, Mm -hmm. right. And try and shed light to, Mm -hmm. it's like, why you don't just have to, you're not just one thing, right? You're like this multifaceted thing. We were kind of talking about this people. 
um, from a distance, they see you and they put you in this box. And yeah. it was like, okay, you're safe because now I have you. You're Ron Jones, the, yeah. the fitness influencer. The muscle guy. Yeah. The muscle guy. Don't discuss politics. Yeah, Don't right. Don't discuss religion. Exactly. Or family or kids. Exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. the second you do that, you're outside of their box. Yeah. You're like, ah! Don't, <laughs> don't, <laughs> yeah. don't double park. Exactly. Right. Yeah, don't double park, right? Right. You know? And I think, I think that that's important, especially for us men, right? There's a, a couple that we've talked, we kind of, there's this thread that's kind of going through what we've been talking about body dysmorphia training the mindset i'm wearing multiple hats as i'm not just a athlete bodybuilder etc right i'm also a, a, a partner right i'm mm -hmm. a husband i'm a father i'm a friend mm -hmm. right there's these things the ego being too afraid to get your hormones checked right there's this like thread that we're tapping on as like men in society this masculine like this masculine paradigm which like i love masculinity me too right i love masculinity i mm -hmm. think it's great um but there's this this weird thing that's getting confused as masculinity and it's really like the immature masculine it's yeah. like the ego yeah um where they're not going to go to you doc yeah you know i have my dad and somebody um like a father figure in my life uh, mm -hmm. a former coach they're in their 50s, early 50s. And I, I am like telling them, get your blood work done, right. check your testosterone, start looking at hormone replacement. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, oh, I don't, I'm still, I'm still fucking. Yeah. Oh, you know what right. I mean? That's yeah. the thing. Like, I'm still, I'm still boning. I'm still getting right. <laughs> yeah. I don't need it. Right. That's like the thing. Yeah. And that's and what like, I said earlier. Men just have to get over themselves. Yeah. That's exactly. Ego. Yeah. Right. And it's like, hey, it's more than just because then what will happen and I, I i think that this is sometimes this thing that happens is when you start talking about hormone replacement and, and fixing the hormones people just think about the physical mm -hmm. right they just think about oh i'm gonna my muscles and i'm gonna get strong blah 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 some people like oh, i don't worry about that anymore yeah, right. but it's way hormones affect way more, way more right way your more. mental health absolutely right like we depression is directly correlated at, with testosterone exactly. right your hormone balance yes. yep. as it declines it increases yep right um like your your overall well-being your ability to motivation motivation yep. drive, drive experience yeah. joy yep and it's like okay if you're not worried about the physical okay let's let's get rid of the physical but oh, do you like enjoying your quality life? of life yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. right and not so not to mention not to mention that but how many young men in their 20s and even 30s do you know have high blood pressure <laughs> way too many diabetes yeah right or or heart disease right or dementia yeah right so there's a lot of ways that hormone balance protects people who are getting older against those things mm -hmm. right so so the, those are all the unseen or unfelt advantages or benefits yeah it, it, it there's a lot of ways that hormone balance for men and women helps keep you young from the inside out right mm -hmm. right and it helps protect against all yeah. that stuff in combination with everything else yeah. right all other pillars yep. right yeah. uh, because i always tell people that when when we talk about hormone rebalancing right um maybe a guy is is deficient or we call it hypogonadal okay um mm -hmm. who's uh maybe at a younger age right late 20s early 30s mid 30s and you know he's he's um he's low on his, his testosterone right mm -hmm. you know at that point you know, there's all kinds of other advantages other than just rebalancing, but getting them up there in terms yeah. of the numbers mm -hmm. where it would have a, an advantage yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, in terms of his 
overall well-being. Not it's so just important that even with these, it's so, so important as well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, please, here. But as we have uh, our young men who are, um, or I should say, uh, prepubescent, and he goes into that physical and that doctor checks to see him, his first sports physical, has his, what they say, has his nuts dropped yet. We really want to know, are his gonads really going? Are they really pumping like they should? Because right, right about now, they should be. And if they aren't, we'll plug this kid. Is it HCG, I want to say? Mm -hmm. To sperm this on to make sure he is producing properly here. Because we need to see these sexual hormones, testosterone, estrogen. We do need to see these things moving in his yep. life now. It's important that this is actually in place and going forward. We know this is the key. When it comes to this child going from adolescence into his teenhood, it still matters. Mm -hmm. But if men would get out of their way and understand that your androgens matter as well, as you reach this androgen pause area, you'll understand why you need to keep them in place also. Mm -hmm. right. And that's going to have a it's going to have a, a constant effect on everything that aligns with it yep. from your relationships and everything else, yeah. how you respond to stress. Why does your wife seem to bother you more? She's the same person that you married. Your ability to understand and hear and respond to her, the external stimuli, that has changed. So it ain't her. It might be you, bro. <laughs> the world's not going to hell in a handbasket. It might be a response to the world now. You just aren't the same. Right. Check yourself. Mm -hmm. You know? What is, um, so what does rebalancing a man's hormones look like then, Doc? So what we look at, there's in men, we look at both the estrogen and the testosterone, right? And a lot of times uh, there might be low testosterone, total testosterone, low free testosterone, and even low estrogen. Well, there could also be a situation where the estrogen is high, maybe in a guy who's carrying a little extra fat, and he, what we call, aromatizes testosterone into a few steps down into estrogen. So the estrogen is that testosterone is converted into estrogen, mm. right? And it's because the testosterone is low that that, that an imbalance exists and that, and, that, and, that, uh, and that change happens. So if we readjust the testosterone, then the testosterone goes up, but the estrogen is not going up as, as fast as the testosterone. So then we achieve that, that elusive balance in that case. Right, we let the estrogen come high. Right, right, and for me, you know, in terms of our clients, I, I, I usually, I'm, I can think of on one hand the number of guys that actually block estrogen, and when I do, it's it's literally for eight weeks. Right, and then we do the work he needs to do to get off of that because the reason testosterone is converted into estrogen is purely environmental. There's not a chemical thing going on there. Nothing. No, no medical problem is happening that's causing that conversion. It's all environmental. The six things we talked about. That's what makes testosterone convert to estrogen, right? Mm. So what we do is... So is it's it, lifestyle it's, that's, that's causing people to convert testosterone into estrogen. Exactly. Misunderstood yep. in bodybuilding for a very long time. A lot mm -hmm. of men lived their life on blocking estrogen. As you said earlier, thinking that estrogen was actually the enemy of our life. Estrogen is not the enemy of your life, young man. You need that estrogen there. Mm -hmm. right. Now you're going to find more men than usual having these issues that come from not having this estrogen. Right. Osteoporosis, osteopenia shouldn't be existing in your young world. But now you have this porousness in your bones because of what you have been doing to yourself with this anti-estrogen block you've been doing. Exactly. It's so when do, when do most guys get prostate problems? When does their prostate get large? And if they get cancer of the prostate, yes. when do they do it's it? Late 40s? Early 50s? Like, I was going to say like 50s, 60s. And at that point, testosterone is dropped mm. and we have an imbalance. Mm. So it's not 
testosterone that causes prostate enlargement and mm. cancer. It's a hormone imbalance that causes it. Mm. It's the same thing with hair loss. Early hair loss is caused not by testosterone. It's caused by imbalance of testosterone, DHT, which is a, a precursor, and, and estrogen. Mm. To include women, with the, which is also the same thing with women, right? So when yes. women have an imbalance of having too much of this DHT, and it bonds to the hair follicle itself, the hair follicle dies out. Exactly. Now this woman has a male pattern baldness, even though she's a female, because exactly. a hormonal imbalance was actually there. Yep. The long story short, I think everyone has to understand is if it's telemed health, you're dealing with someone from a distant, like we have with Doc here, or your local physician, you've got to do the first early work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Quit Google searching and trying to buy supplements, yeah, man. Dr. Google isn't a good doctor. Yeah, you can't, you can't Google everything. You can't YouTube University your way to what he has as a practicing physician. Right. If it means simply signing onto the website here, and this is not a pitch, but seriously, you sign onto the website here for a flat fee, he seems to get your blood work done, and he looks at it himself to talk to you about what's going on here. Right. That's the first step you should do before you consider buying tons of supplements right. or tons of other trainers or a physician who's talking to you this way. Right. right. As we said earlier in relationships, you got to listen both ways. You mm -hmm. can't plug your ears and talk. Communication is actually two-way. Yeah. It's not how well you articulate. It's also how well you listen. So relationship with your physician does matter. And if he can't do it himself, he may say, hey, I have an in-house psychiatrist you should probably talk to mm -hmm. or psychologist. Perhaps they can help you out, but you have yep. to have that relationship, man. Right. That's so. It, that's a great point because I was thinking about this earlier. I get so frustrated when I see people because I hear a lot about. I get frustrated with the medical system, mm -hmm. right? How that you know doctors, you know, they're giving you seven minutes and then it's the next person. Seven right. minutes, right? They got their little seven minute block. Next right. person in. The insurance company kind of handcuffs them on what blood panels or even you're getting blood panels from your doctor, but they're not even the ones that you need. Exactly. Right. You're not getting any of the things you need to look at if you're before a certain age because it's just the laws of averages mm -hmm. and numbers. And, and they're assuming. They're just assuming, right? So. You, you run into the situation where you've got people not getting the help that they need, right? And they're operating through life and now they're blaming the healthcare system. Now, listen, I don't love the healthcare system, but at the end of the day, anything that's happening in your life is your fault. I believe right. that's how I operate through life. <laughs> I, I'm somebody, whether it's good or bad, it's your fault. It's happening. Whether, you know, some people don't like to hear that, but that's how I view the world. So like, just so people understand, that's how I view the world. And that's so that to me, that's the basis of everything. Well, well and if I you're, think you're right. I, I absolutely think you're right. It's a hard pill to swallow. It is a hard go, pill to swallow. Go ahead and expound on that because I don't want any listeners to get caught up on this. <laughs> but that's a very hard pill to swallow. And I'm going to let you expound on why you agree. And I've got to expound on why I agree with you as well. Right. I, I, I don't want to skip over what I was going to say oh, about sorry, dog real quick. But no, it is your duty now to get your to get the help right if there's something wrong with you you need to find people that are going to help you there's enough resources that are out there your health is yours take agency of your body right right if something's off and the doctor's not giving you what you need or, or listening to you then you need to force you know get ask more questions ask for a second opinion if you're not getting that find find these these practices where there's people like you right. who are going to help you that are right. going to actually listen to you. No one, it's no one else's fault. What, what your health is like, right? If you're 50 years old and you're stuck in a couch, 
right? You're stuck on the couch because your your back's hurting or your ankle or your knee or your health is off, your hormone panel is all fucked up. It's your fault, right? right? You know, it, it just is. Um, that's not to say that there aren't predispositions. There's not to say that there's things that were outside of your control. But if you aren't now actively going after to try and fix those, whether it's through exercise, diet, nutrition, finding a licensed professional who can then help guide you in the right direction, what foods you should be eating, what, what, what medicines you should be taking, what exercises you should be doing, it's your fault. Especially in today's day and age, there's so much information out there that if you're not, it's it. You re, there really is no... There's no excuse. It is the information age. There is tons of information and avenues. It's not even the news fault because there's so many alternative news sources out there. So I really believe, like you're saying a second ago, that oftentimes what's what's going on is actually your fault. If you would take ownership of that, you can now be, as you said, an agent in your own life. So you can reach out to the proper place. And if this place isn't going to work, go somewhere else. If that's not going to work, you go somewhere else. But you can't just sit back and wait for someone else to do it for you. There's Don't accept. Don't accept it. And if you do decide to accept it, that's fine. But please, you cannot play victim to circumstances you created. I'll say that part again. You cannot play victim to circumstances you created. If you happen to know, I know my family health history. This is a God honest truth. My mom's side of the family, there's quite a few alcoholics there. On my mom's side of the family, there are quite a few alcoholics there. On my mom's side of the family, prostate cancer is there. On my father's side of the family, there are issues of diabetes and hypertension. This is not a curse at all. Right. This is a blessing for me to know this information. Yeah. So now I know what to be proactive and look out for. If I told you right now, Doc, there's a hole behind you. I said it before. If there's a hole behind you, two feet behind you. If you step back and fall into that hole, it is your fault. Right. You were told there's a hole behind you. I was told that there's a genetic disposition towards alcoholism mm. in my family. With that being understood, I know what to look out for, what balance to be mindful of. Now, my great grandfather, I feel sorry for him because he probably didn't know. Right. Didn't have it to understand that right. he had a propensity towards moonshine, perhaps taking over his world. As an example, you know yeah. what I mean? Or if my uncle did not know of right. prostate cancer because he didn't have the information available to him, then okay, yeah, he did not have the family history. Yeah. But me, where I'm at, with the referral of, excuse me, the reference of four generations before me, I know what's there. Mm-hmm. My family has a history of it. With that being said, what you going to do about it? Right. And are you going to let your 10 year old fall into the same issue? If you got type two diabetes now, type one diabetes now at 38, <clears throat> where is your 10 year old going? Now that 10 year old can't yeah. buy its own food. It's, yep. it's, it's on you. Are you right. going to go ahead again? You are the master of yep. it all. If you just take ownership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so what you just hit on something big there your child right like not even so not even what okay you know your family has a predisposition for this so most likely there's a chance that you're going to run into the same thing look out for it if you can't look out for yourself what about your child Mm -hmm. because the decisions you're going to make from here on out are going to affect how they view the world Mm right right the whole um Kids don't hear what you say, they see what you do, mm-hmm. right? And so if you want your kid to read books, are you reading books? If mm-hmm. you want your kids to work out and exercise, are you exercising? If you mm-hmm. want your kids to live a healthy lifestyle, are you practicing that yourself? Mm-hmm. Right? And so I just heard, and it, you may have heard this as well, 
the lady's name is slipping me. She just got put into um, a, like one of the health. Oh, damn. Driving me crazy, the name of it. Um, she was put onto a, uh, a health panel, a federal health panel. Okay. Biden just like put her into, into this position. But she was on like 2020 or something. And she was saying that obesity is actually genetic. It's a genetic predisposition. Mm. It has nothing to do like that. And she, there's no exercise or uh, diet that can change it. If you have parents that are fat, you're going to be fat essentially. And that medication and operations are the only way out. Medicalization model, right? Wow. And and I can't remember her name. It's and I can't I can't remember all of the details of that. So maybe I should have. But this is something that I've been seeing wow. that's been being being pushed, right? And so. To that point, it's like, is it genetics or is it environmental? Is if you have two overweight parents, are you most likely going to be an overweight child because you yes. their eating style? Yes, statistically, exactly. right. But you can still avoid it, though. Yes, you know what I mean. You are inclined to it if you continue in the same right. pathway. Well, so there's there's two things at, at work there. Because right. there's a genetic, there's a bit, I, there's definitely it's a the genetic. It's the light switch. Yeah. There is a genetic It's the component. light switch. There it's you go. It's the light switch yeah. model. Okay. So, so if you have parents that are obese, you're born with a light switch, right? Uh, and how you live your life turns it on or off. But, but to a large degree, when you're between the age of zero and five, you, you have no control over your own light switch. Right. So, so if you have obese parents, just to give you one example, in their lives, perhaps... They maybe overeat or eat the wrong foods when they're anxious. Right. They go for the freezer and grab a tub of ice cream mm. and eat half the ice cream, right? And you fall down and skin your knee. You go to the doctor and they put some antibiotic ointment on there or whatever. You get home. Well, this particular set of parents will take you out for ice for cream. Ice cream mm. To soothe you because that's how they would be soothed. By activating that reward chemical with exactly. ice cream. Right. Other parents wouldn't do it that way. They'd spit on a Kleenex, wipe it off. You're fine. Go out and play. And so that's two same stimuli, the same situation, but handled wildly different ways by right. parents. Right. And it's not that we're blaming parents in the other example because they have their own issues that right. they're working with. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's an example of what we're talking about here, about mm. how it's a combination of genes from when you're born with the light switch on or off, right? And how you live your life on or off. It's also with who are your major influences between the ages of zero and five. Mm. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Is it two loving parents? Is it a single parent household? Is it a parent and a step parent? Or is it the TV? Is it the TV? Is it a computer? Is it an iPad? Is it a phone? What, what's shaping you those first five years? That's what's pretty much going to make you who you are mm. as an adult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can I say this then? I'm going to charge all the parents with this. If you're dealing with, I'm going to charge parents with this much. If you're dealing with the issue of, all right, this is, this, it's going to kind of cut and dry here. <laughs> I'm going to charge parents with this. If you, as a parent, know the anguish you've dealt with being overweight, okay, or not happy with your physique, or you're unhappy and you're trapped in your health, and you found this to be the case since you've had children, 
or since you've had a wife and kids. So you're now 30 plus dealing with this one. If you are a 35 year old man or a woman dealing with this, do know that your child, if you do not make a change for them or at least teach them and show them better, they're going to deal with the same exact thing you're dealing with right now yourself. Mm. So I'm telling you right now, you have to get over yourself so as they don't have to deal with the same thing and be in the same position you are at 35. But they'll see it earlier. Mm. They will see it earlier. So if you don't take it serious and get over your own current issues of woe is me, it's no longer about you. It's about them. So you've got to get yourself back into a place to help them to not deal with the same mental anguish you know you dealt with being bullied if that was the deal coming through high school or whatever the said issue may have had right. because of result of what you're currently dealing with. I charge you with that as a parent because that child is walking in your own footsteps. I think the problem, though, with that is people don't like facing those issues, it's right? It's difficult to look in the mirror sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you got work to do at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't just simply wash it away. And I, this can go real political real fast, but when you have a culture that propagates or, or facilitates the idea of victimhood and allowing you to be a victim to society standards, you're going to play into that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You are. So if you have someone who's been put into a federal position, appointed by our president, who put you into a federal position, who's telling you that it's okay, you can't help this. It's just yeah. a naturally part of your life. Yeah. Then you're going to play into that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do not do not pour this poison into me before I even try. Right. I want to believe that I can do that. I believe that I could be perhaps Ronnie Coleman, the greatest bodybuilder ever. And it made me work extra hard from 18 to my first show in 24. Did I become Ronnie Coleman? No, I did not. But I became great shooting for that. Yeah. There's a very simple adage that we oftentimes say, you shoot for the stars and you land with the clouds, you're still in a great place. Right. So even if I know it's not going to, if I believe it's going to happen, I'm still going to aim for that. But don't tell me out the gate, oh, he's he's not going to have, it's not going to happen for them. He can't help it. You know, that that victimhood being placed onto that that grouping, be it a minority grouping or be it because of your sex or be it because of your 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 color, race, religion, whatever it may be here. You preemptively putting that badge onto that person will have them now ready to manifest this yeah. themselves. Right. Well, you say you They'll say believe it, it and make it happen. If you say a lie long enough, people start believing it, it becomes fact. If you start telling people at an early age, they're this thing or they're unable to do this thing, they'll start believing it unless they are like extremely disagreeable. Unless mm -hmm. they're like super low in, in agreeableness, they're going to they're going to just buy into it. And I always say this just back to training a lot of times. And I'm sure the same is in the, in the world of bodybuilding. People always want to talk about genetics. Mm hmm. Uh, I don't have the genetics to be a pro football player basketball. I don't have the genetics to be, uh, you know, an IFBB pro. Mm -hmm. You have no idea the capabilities of your genetics. You haven't even right? pushed it yet. You don't know because you haven't tapped into them yet. There are some people out there that have a, a higher floor than you, mm -hmm. right? There's some people that are super gifted right off the bat and they don't have to work as hard. They might have big, long muscle bellies. They might be able to jump through the ceiling. They might be able to run really fast mm -hmm. without any training. Great for them. Right. But 
you don't know what happens if you put your head down and put five to 10 hard years of focused training. Right. Because that kid who could slam dunk when he was in the eighth grade mm -hmm. or could throw a ball half a mile, if you train for five or 10 years, you might blow him out of the water. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. absolutely. And that's because you, didn't ta you don't know what your ceiling mm -hmm. is and you'll never know what your ceiling is until you push the gas pedal. So quit the conversations about genetics too yes. soon. You start discussing genetics too soon, you're already accepting that there's going to be limitation to where you're gonna go. Exactly. You're actually staging yourself. You're telling someone before you even get there, hey man, uh, by the way, before we start playing, man, know that my right shoulder's been nagging me a little bit for the last few years. Mm -hmm. So just in case you beat me, it's because my right shoulder's already been nagging Pretty me. That's what your excuse is about genetics. Right. Oh man, genetics, man, I can never be, you know, Ronnie Coleman or Michael Jordan or LeBron James. You're right, physical and stature, you won't be them, but you don't know what your genetic ceiling is going to be until you push all these three keys right until you push that stream training until you really have that cardio diligently and have your recovery by way of your eating in place until you actually have this locked in you don't know what your limitations are well here's here's the real power in that we already talked about epigenetics and uh, the concept of epigenetics right and how and how optimizing the six core fundamentals has a direct effect on every cellular process, including genetics mm -hmm. and turning those switches on and off in your brain and body. Right? So, so we've already established that. Well, if you can change your genes as an adult, and let's say you haven't had kids yet, guess what happens? You can stop disease in its tracks. Mm. Right, and you you will no longer pass that obesity wow. gene on. So are you t you're telling me you're telling me through epigenetics, when you change your thought, you change your actions, and you turn that light switch on or off in whatever direction you want. When now, if you do that work before you have kids, you don't pass along. Exactly. Damn. You can help yourself out of time. I like that. I like the idea of believing that because it makes you do the best that you can be right. or do right. to even get there. And even if it didn't work, you're still eons ahead of the issues you may Absolutely. have possibly right. seen if you didn't actually yeah. try that's a dude that's a great point because even okay let's just say let's just say some people have a hard time accepting the accountability mindset right mm -hmm. everything is your fault and it's like well there's you know there's there's oppression you know government oppression mm -hmm. societal oppression there's education level socioeconomic all of these we can literally just pull out a laundry list of all these things that keep you from being whatever it is that you want to be right mm -hmm. we could pull that laundry list out let's just say those are true let's say those things are true what can you do about them? Accept them and roll over and right. just waddle in it? Right. right. What what mm -hmm. can you do about these issues that are going on in life? I can't change the way the jurisdiction jurisdiction system works. I can't. cannot work how the legal system works. Mm -hmm. I cannot change politics. Mm -hmm. What I can change is how I act and operate. Right. Yeah. That's all I can control. And that's empowering because I have some control over over a few things in my life. Right. And it's like, so why pour? I've got all this energy and effort. I'm just going to, I'm going to, what am I going to do with it? I'm just going to up, just lay down mm -hmm. and die, essentially, for lack of better words. Or am I going to pour that into the few things that I can control? Mm -hmm. That's a big part of why I love wellness so much. Why I love health and wellness so much is the fact that in a high school, there can only be one star quarterback, only one head cheerleader. What about everybody else? Right. You know what? When it comes to personal health, personal wellness, you can be the greatest. You don't have to be a cross-comparison model to anyone else. Right. You can be the greatest. This yeah. is right. the one sport, the one thing you can do in life and be the greatest at 
is be the greatest you. You can't be the star quarterback. It's only one of them. Right. You know what I mean? And this is why I think everyone should find some identity in the health and wellness space. Right. Pushing to be the best absolute you. Now, yeah. how do you be the best absolute you? By being honest to yourself. Yep. Should I actually eat this in the middle of the night? Should I get up and go do cardio? Should I not do this or that? Or should I lay down to get this sleep? It's all you versus you. Right. You can be the actual best right. in your own world. And the, the, this is a this is an interesting thought that I had um, somewhat recently. When you're trying to be better, like compete with everything outside of yourself, trying to be the best I can be, right? Not so much the best I can be, but I want to be better than Ron. I want to be better than Doc Chris, right? I want to be the best there is. You'll never actually, in that pursuit, you'll never actually max out your potential because you're always going external mm. for that validation. You're mm. going external right. for that achievement. Mm -hmm. And until you go internally and be, I want to be the best Dan Matha can possibly be, I'll never be what I possibly can be. Or even right. content with yourself. Right. Exactly. Because right. you didn't validate your own self. And so you limit your actual greatness. Mm. In the pursuit of greatness, you actually will never achieve your personal greatness. Exactly. And and the, what this applies to is the thing that I talk to a lot of my most, in fact, all my clients about, and that's mindfulness, mm. right? Mindfulness. So So our entire existence happens where? Between our ears. Mm -hmm. So it stands to reason that if you practice mindfulness and become a mindful person, and to the greater degree you're successful at that, you control your own mind. So mm -hmm. if you control your own mind, you can therefore control your entire existence. Makes a lot of sense to me. I'm in control of it. I am Ron, my brain, yep. my arms, my legs, my health. It's who, my world. <laughs> who who writes the script for my for that, me that your internal voice yeah. reads twenty four seven? Me. Yeah. Well, the mindfulness thing is key to start recognizing because what happens is we get these intrusive thoughts, right? And Distracting like, thoughts, right? And it's like when you realize you're not actually your thoughts. You then now that mindfulness really kicks in. One, it allows you to recognize, oh, I'm not those thoughts. Then it allows you to be like, where did that thought come from? Mm -hmm. How has that been affecting me? I should try to limit that. I yeah, I should maybe I don't need to fixate on that thought. <laughs> maybe I can okay, that's a like th a cloud in the sky. Yeah, uh -huh. it's like okay, that's cool. I see it. That's awesome. Up, it's passing by. Let it go. Uh -huh. Right. Let it go. Happy cloud. Hello. Let it go. You say hello so, and goodbye. Like a so friend can I charge this to passing on by? So yeah. can I charge us with this then? The idea of what real fasting is. I shouldn't say real people get mad at that. Um, <laughs> what fasting is, as I see it, fasting as I see it is not about abstaining from one individual thing. I don't have an issue with overeating, but I, if I get introspective, I can figure out what I have an issue with overconsumption of. It could be overconsumption of media yeah. by way of my phone, yeah. overconsumption of movies or music. It could be overconsumption of, let's say your own spouse. You're consuming too much of one thing. Now, how do you know if you're consuming too much of it? If most of your time is devoted to it, Yeah. okay? Now, at that, with that being said, Figure out what you are dedicated to most. And if it's not helping you, possibly it's imbalancing you. Let's see if you can eliminate that. Right. So your fast for you, ma'am, it might actually be food. 
It might be for me, my car. I can't stop rubbing my car. I can't stop rubbing my car. That car is my God. I rub and wax in this car 24 seven. So can I perhaps try the idea of removing this from my world? So find what you are addicted to. And that is what has a stronghold on you. Fasting is not universal. What has a stronghold on me might not have a stronghold on you. And you don't have to admit to me what it is, nor you to me. For him over there, it could be porn. For him, it could be actual cartoons or right. his phone. So if you want to really get control and master of yourself, perhaps forgot what you devote the most time to. If it's not conducive to helping you and your overall life being in right. balance, try removing it. If you can't, you're addicted to it. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm not going to invoke my religion into anyone's world. But when God was out there, it wasn't when Jesus was out there. It wasn't about food. Not at all. What did he bring to him? Satan tempted him with all kind of things out there. Yeah. And food was the least of all the things he offered him. Right. Yeah, I ain't got no lamb, yeah. no water. Yeah, I do want that fleshly. Offered him a whole empire, kingdoms, everything he wanted. Power, status. Power, status, all these things. So a fast isn't going to be from food alone. That's not what Jesus was fasting from. Yeah. So if you want to figure out what you're having an addiction to, again, I repeat, figure out what that is and try removing it. If you can't, bingo, that might be it. Right. Well, that's why and you, it's not just what you're putting in your mouth is your diet, right? Mm. The consumption is what are you reading? Five right? senses, right? All things. of your senses. Yeah. yeah. The people that you're around, mm -hmm. right? You might have to fast from relationships. Mm -hmm. Some people have real toxic relationship styles, mm -hmm. right? And so maybe it's people in your life you got to fast from. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the job that you have, mm -hmm. you know, that's it's tough because you know our job is to connected with our livelihood, our ability to pay, but. If you're in a place that you absolutely fucking hate, but you're making $200,000 a year, is that bank account really worth the fact that you're probably shortening your life, mm -hmm. shortening your relationships? Right. I mean, think yeah. about think about it. Think about it. When, you're, when you start hitting, and I always try to keep this in mind as well, because when you're younger, you don't think about it. When you're younger, you think you're gonna live forever, you don't worry about the same things. Right. So it's easy, because when I was younger, I used to think, uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids, right? I'm like, ah, I don't want to get married. I don't want to kids. I, and I probably don't want to own a house. I don't ever want to own anything. Mm -hmm. I want to be free. You know no, what I mean? Yeah. I want to be a nomad. And I, I do have a little bit of nomad in me. Uh -huh. I definitely am a nomad. But as I'm starting to get older, I'm starting to look at people. And some of this comes through the relationships that I have in my mm -hmm. life, right. being able to talk to older men, mm -hmm. right? And, and them being like, Hey man, when you're 50 and 60, 60 years old, do you want to, your career might sound great now, but when you're 50, 60 years old, you, your career might not have the same meaning that mm -hmm. it had when you're at that age, mm -hmm. right. right? And so if you don't do the work now to build a family, it's not gonna be there. right? To build a partner in your wife mm -hmm. or your husband, to build your kid, to grow kids, to have kids, mm -hmm. to have them and bring them up. Mm -hmm. When you're now 50, 60 and your, your mind is changing, because think of, I mean, I'm 34. I just think about when I was 24. The mm -hmm. things that are important now are not, not the, same the same things that yeah. were important. What drove you then ain't driving you now. Ain't right. dri and I imagine when I'm 44, the same thing's going to be true. 54, uh -huh. 64. So it's like, yo, keep that in mind. Oh, when I'm this age, maybe this, and I, it's a trend. Just look around. Just look and have conversation relationships with older people. Right. Right. What I, I see in older people is that relationships family and friends become a much bigger driver in their lives than chasing money chasing success and mm -hmm. status right so it's like oh, okay maybe maybe i need to start 
I don't necessarily see the importance quite as much as I should, but I'm seeing these other people talk about it. And maybe, maybe I need to start looking into this. Maybe I need to start getting myself into those directions. Right. Because if you're 50 or 60, I don't want to say it's too late because it's never too late. Well, but certain things are too late by then. Certain things you are You can't too grow late. it. Yeah. You can't right. grow it and, and, and play basketball with your teenage son at 56 exactly. because now you'll be 76 trying to play basketball with us. It ain't quite the same. Right. Mm-hmm. It ain't quite the same. I know. Now you say that, bro, you got me ready. Can to I tell you this thing about a report I read from AR? I read about an AARP report back in the day, and it said um, it, it polled a bunch of older people, obviously, AARP, and it asked them about how um, some of the regrets in life. And the number one top thing was memories that they said, right? Um, and then I thought about it like, uh, and it's funny, I was sitting around, I was with clients back in the day, in our early 20s, I was training in person. And I was uh, training in person in my early 20s, and I was had a lot of down, downtime between clients. I'm not hustling and bustling. So I'm sitting there thinking introspectively about this. And I said, it's kind of like this. What I came up with is remember back in the day we had VHSs, yeah. and then we had DVDs and Laserdisc. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a collection of movies that we had, you know? So we had a bunch of DVDs and Laserdisc. And then imagine living in a world whereby out of nowhere, the world just ended. There's no more streaming services. All you have are your DVD collection and your VHS collections. That's all you have. The comparison model I'm making here is this, is imagine being 55 years old, no more streaming services. All you can do is look back over your collection of DVDs, VHS. Mm. These are all memories. Right. Okay. If you're not collecting, forging memories in your earlier years, you're not going to have anything to look back over and enjoy in your later years. Mm. So I see it as constantly trying to facilitate, foster, grow, have relationships with others to forge memories. Because one day I'm going to be old enough to not be as able-bodied as I am now. And all I have is a collection of how great things were at one point in time. Not worse, excuse me, a, a collection over reminiscing over the things I did in my younger years. But I had to do them to have that memory. Oh, the other great thing about that would be this. Imagine doing this at, you know, that later years in life. But having someone there to do it with. Right. Remember when we went to Vegas, baby? Yep. Remember that time? Well, no, it was Memorial Day we did that. No, it was actually, it was it was 2022 because I remember COVID. Yeah, yeah. Imagine being at that point in life to look back over that. Right. But if you don't spend your youthful years forging these memories, you're not going to have a collection to look back over and enjoy. Right. You're not making too many new ones at that point. You know? Absolutely. Relationships matter. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Shoo. Good yeah. talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, damn, man, you got me thinking about that. I'm, 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 like, I'm feeling like I'm on the right track. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the right track. The right it's track. The, 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 right, the right shift at the right point in time here. Yeah. And I think the best thing about it is earlier on, we didn't have this accessibility. The internet is relatively new in the grand scheme of humanity. Right. It, it, it's extremely new. And our lives alone is very new. Let me tell you something, bro. I went through college. I graduated 2006. I went through college writing all my 10-page papers off of books. Yeah. I didn't have no Google search system. You right. know what I mean? Um, but what I'm saying is, 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 is the access to information or hearing from others real time by way of this podcast as an example. I hope that young man or woman is listening to our experience and our account. They don't right. know us from a hill of beans from Adam's house cat. But I hope they're listening to say, you know what? I'm going to learn vicariously through what Ron and Dan said about starting to forge more memories or perhaps preserving my body. Right. Or even the professional stance of Doc, who's got years of seeing people do things and the results of it. Yeah. 
That's been his career. He sees what you've done and the result of it. You can't convince him of certain things. It ain't too much new under the sun he hadn't seen by way of what your actions are and the consequences later on in life as a physician who's had time doing this and by way of his age being over 40. <laughs> right. You know, but again, it's because of the information age is there. So I'm kind of hard on youth even more now because you have accessibility fingertip touch away. We had a we had a, a, a I can go. What is it? I can go anywhere. I can't hold a tune with a I couldn't carry a tune with a forklift. <laughs> but um, LeVar Burton on um, on Reading Rainbow. We uh, could travel by way of books. Okay. LeVar Burton Reading Rainbow. What, was, what I'm saying is we have okay. books. You know what I mean? These kids got it on their fingertip. Yeah. Exactly. So from one swipe, you're on Facebook. The another swipe, you're actually listening to someone's account real time Yeah, about what you could perhaps learn from or draw from, live vicariously through right. someone else's experience. So there's almost no excuse. No excuse nearly, right. bro. Right. right. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is an excellent place to end the podcast, fellas. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I appreciated having both of you guys on. Dr. Chris, is there a place where people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of online, finding resources, <laughs> there having, having no excuse, right? It's www.oldmissionlifestylemedicine.com. Okay. I have to be part of my page as well because I am part of practice and I had to believe in it. Excuse okay. me, I had to, I, I had to, when he reached out to me to speak, I had to dig deeper to see myself. And when I came on board to see, is this legitimately what it actually is? It was. You know me, I don't co-sign much out there at all. Yeah. But when I met with him and we talked, we went through the full-on process. He sent me the lab quest, got my blood work done. He had a little one-hour conversation. It was actually two or three hours because we talked about personal things after the fact. Yep. And that's when the idea of, hey, man, are you getting into the internet space came up? And then that's why I said, bro, watch this, man. What you're doing online has to spread further. Right. You know what I mean? And that's why I decided to use my, my resources by way of my influence on the social networks right. to help spread the message of a new of, of a practice that could help people out right. from a distance. You know what right. I mean? Now you don't have an excuse at all. No hidden cost. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to sell it, but truthfully, no hidden costs are there. Right. It's right there up front. You know what I mean? You know what you're paying for what you're actually getting right there. Forging a true relationship. You know what I mean? Because we know good and well, there's nothing more nerve wracking than going to a physician and hoping this bill doesn't knock your head off. Yeah. And if you do have health insurance, I believe you said we can use the HSE to help. Yep, yep you can use the HSA account. And your HSA account can help pay for things as well with that yep. one, man. So come on, man. No excuses. You know me, Ron Jones. Practical advice for your real world goals. Practical advice that you can't ignore this time. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Hell yeah. <laughs> Um, and how about you, Big Ron? Where we can find you? Obviously, man. Not obviously, but for those who don't visually see me or don't understand, I'm not big as uh, Dan Matha, but Big Ron Jones is who I am on all platforms. So from YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Big Ron Jones, I'm there. TikTok, I'm everywhere. Trying to make sure everyone's You are connected. everywhere, but I see you everywhere. I love it. I love it. You can't escape my influence. <laughs> big Ron Jones on all networks. So please yeah. check me out. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent, fellas. I uh, appreciate you guys. Where can and, we uh, find, find you, Dan? Uh, people can find me. Uh, people that are listening to this already know where to find me, but like, I'll put um, some DanMatha.com. I got a website um, that kind of links you to kind of everything that I do, um, from in-person training to online training. Um, 
my voiceover works on there on my website as well. I got a link tree in my uh, social media platforms. Anywhere on social media, uh, all the social media platforms, danmatha.com. Awesome. That's me. I totally forgot you Man. do in-person training. That's a beautiful thing. You do in-person training. So if someone wants to really take advantage of that, yeah. they got to holler at you in the Atlanta area. Yeah. In-person training, I, I think that this is interesting because we, we this new world that we live in now, everyone's you can just throw in your bio that you're a trainer mm -hmm. online. <laughs> yeah. And you can write, anybody can put together a program, write a program, hand that thing out. Mm -hmm. But if you've never had real world hands on people application of altering, putting a workout program together mm -hmm. and actually seeing its effects on somebody close up. And then being able to having to adapt or tweak the workout program yeah. over the course of its life. Mm -hmm. right. I just think it's really hard to call yourself a trainer. More importantly, be a trainer who is effective. Yeah. Effective. Yeah. I, I understand the world we live in with social media. Everything's on social media. Everything's online. Mm -hmm. So people that want to be trainers, they see online trainers and they want to be online trainers. Mm -hmm. If I was growing up during this time, I would be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. But I, the, the thing that I say to trainers out there, these online trainers, you got to get hands-on experience. Got to, man. Mm -hmm. Because I've written, think about the programs that you've written. I've written them at my desk, and I'm like, man, this is a great program. Mm -hmm. Oh, my, we're going to do this. Then you put it into practice. Yeah, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do oh, this. Oh, not quite. Right? And you're like, you start doing it. Now you start seeing the guys you're training or girls doing training. Uh -huh. You're like, oh, damn. Like, that's way too much volume. Back to the drawing board. That's way, yeah. that's way too much I volume. I just destroyed this person. Right. Yeah, man. destroyed this person. Yeah. Or, or, oh, it's not enough volume. Yeah. Or this exercise people are having a hard time like adapting to. Mm -hmm. So maybe having an alternate workout mm -hmm. for a different set of people. Mm -hmm. But if you aren't seeing it in real time, right. you don't know. And so you just like keep putting these workouts out. And like you don't even know what if they're helping people or not. So don't be nice, Dan. Just simply say it. People, if you have not dealt with a trainer who has real world application, right. do not deal with this trainer. Yeah. If you're dealing with a professional right. who has no real world application, don't deal with them. It's right. simple as that. Right. There's just things that are just different when you put your hands to the actual plow. Everything sounds good and plain, but if that professional hasn't done it in real world application, don't rock that way because your money isn't the investment. It's your time. Yeah. If you dedicate yourself to anything for too long, that time you're not getting it back. And right. God forbid we entertain the idea of injury. So what? professionals, make sure you vet that professional. Time is a big thing because I tell there's this misconception that it's going to take a long time to get strong and build muscle, yeah, right? Stick to the plan while they suck your dollars. Right. It's like, oh, it's hard and it's going to it's going to take a really long time, but we're going to get you there. And it, it's definitely not easy. It's definitely hard. There, mm -hmm. It's definitely challenging. There's definitely right. struggle, a struggle that's involved. Mm -hmm. But it ain't hard. It ain't difficult. Mm -mm. It is quite simple, actually. Mm -hmm. And if you have, especially when you pay for a guide, mm -hmm. that's what a trainer is. Right. They mm -hmm. are a guide to take you into the unknown. Just follow. They have mm -hmm. already paved the paths up the mountain that you want to go. Mm -hmm. Now, which path, which path you are going to take, that's on them to be like, okay, you need to take this path compared mm -hmm. to this other path. Right. And so if someone isn't getting you results in an efficient manner, mm -hmm. That, that's a big red flag. That's like, mm -hmm. it ain't going to take long. Some milestones you can gauge. You're right. not going to reach your ultimate goal, but they're definitely going to be significant mile markers you're going to hit. If you're on a highway traveling from the East Coast to California, you're going to watch the highway go by. 
you're going to see actual mile markers. I just come up with this metaphor, literally. This journey you're on from the East Coast to the West Coast, you're going to see mile markers along the way that shows you how far along you've come. Mm -hmm. And if you don't see those mile markers going by, you're probably sitting parked. Sitting still. Sitting still on the East Coast. And you're not reaching your goal, your destination, your journey anytime soon. Exactly. Make sure that professional has ways of showing you these mile markers. That what keeps you invigorated. And that keeps you going. You'll keep going if you can see and feel results. Yep. See and feel. That means you got to feel these things as well. They got to teach you how to gauge this. You got to have have different measuring sticks to gauge these results. You don't want to use a measuring cup to to, to gauge your distance to a 10-yard goal line. Right. Outside with a measuring cup, trying to measure 10 yards. No, have the proper tool to measure this progression. And your professional, your trainer, instance, should definitely equip you with the proper tools to measure your successfulness or lack thereof. Right. They don't want to give you that because they don't want you to do it because they're scared. That if you do it, you might see that they're falling short. Right. Yep. That's what I got for you. I tell my guys um, at a certain point when you're training with me in person, you're not going to need me anymore. You know what I mean? If you're really here, like taking notes of everything that I'm teaching you. There's going to come a certain point where like you're you're not going to need me. You graduate. You've graduated. Yes. Right. Please, you know, maybe you need someone to come create workouts for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's where you can go to the online portion mm-hmm. and start getting finding someone who makes workouts and you can buy them offline. But in terms of learning your body, how an proprioception, seeing and feeling yourself through time and space, the ability to connect to each individual muscle, build neurological strength, all the technique, connection. form, all of those mm-hmm. things like after a certain point, you've got it. Now it's like, can you do it on your own? Now right. there's some people that they just need the accountability mm-hmm. and that's what they're paying for. So they'll outsource the help. They're okay with that. Right. They're going to outsource mm-hmm. or they don't want to think about tr- putting a, a thing together. So the, uh, a program together. And so they're just going to pay for a trainer. That's, mm-hmm. But some people, I have some people that they are, they're off on their own. Mm-hmm. And like, I- I'm glad I've just given you this skill. <laughs> you know what I mean? To like take with the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so if you have a trainer that's not doing that, that's think twice about them. Yeah. yeah. They might be okay, but just think twice about yeah, it. You never know. Have a, they have an ulterior motive. Yeah. Right. It yeah. Might be financially driven only. Yeah. Beautiful talk. All right. It's All right, fellas. Talk. We're, 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 <laughs> we'll really sign off this time. <laughs> All, right. All right, fellas. All right, man. Later, everybody. Thanks.